Mr. Secretary, I watched President Bush deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003, in which he mentioned, he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The President called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCor was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. While all of this was going on, DynCor kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, May 9th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. That clip you've seen before, I've played that many times, in fact. Interesting, though, it relates to many different aspects of what we're talking about today. Even in that conversation referencing the vaccine push within the narrative. Very interesting. As always, don't miss how all of this seems to be connected to larger agendas, if not connected entirely. But today we're going to have a great conversation about some really important topics as always. But I wanted to start out with some, a couple of points that I think we're really going to, you know, what they're not going to call them humorous, but they're things that I I laughed at it, but it's interesting to see how they perceive themselves, or at least how they want you to perceive them, the corporate media. We're going to start out today with an important topic around Saudi Arabia, which I actually believe is only coming out right now because it seems it came out because of Biden's declassification of some certain specific documents just so happens to open this door to this whole conversation about something that we already all completely knew is that Saudi Arabia was entirely, if not, I mean, I don't want to say was completely involved with 9-11. Let's put it that way. Did not open that door in that conversation. The point is, They were puppets and tools in the larger agenda, which I think we all should know, being pulled by places like the Israeli government, the United States government, and so on. But they were 100% involved, and it was painfully obvious, and there was a massive cover-up. I mean, the 9-11 Commission report, by everybody's assessment, even the corporate media, was just a a dumpster fire. It was bad. And they covered up, and they missed, and there's um, um, inconsistent logic and just grasping narrative. I mean, it's bad. It's really and obviously deceptive. So what's happening now, I believe, is meant to go look over there. Oh my God, look at this bombshell. But it's still important, because it's just for maybe the people out there that haven't really yet opened their minds to that very flagrant reality, this will make them think about other things. Okay, what else might they have lied to me about? whether 9-11, Ukraine, COVID-19, or anything else that you want to consider because they lie. Governments lie. It's what they do as a matter of policy. It's happening right now on all sides in regard to the Ukraine war. It's what they do. So this story we're going to talk about today is FBI documentation that proves not only did they know that Saudi Arabia was involved, specifically, that the one key person that they used to kind of make it seem like they weren't, they knew was involved and covered it up, hid the documentation from as far back as 2007. And only now are you being letting, are you allowed to see it? They let you see it, right? Because it's not as relevant in a lot of people's minds when all these other big things are happening. 
And maybe they thought it was a calculated release to say, well, it may look bad for us, but it's better to have this not paid attention to. These are all just my thoughts. But at the end of the day, why would they withhold that information? It's a question we should ask, right? Why would they not want you to know that? And even then, why during the period where they very clearly knew, I think that's obvious they knew from the beginning, but the period that we can prove that they knew, why they continued to maintain that Saudi Arabia wasn't involved. Oh, that's right, because of oil sales and weapon sales and everything else going on that they need them for. And you'll see even that even admitted by the person that's writing this article and anonymous FBI agents. This is a controlled release, in my opinion, but it doesn't mean it's not important. We'll start with that. We're going to talk about Ukraine as well and what's continuing to happen and the gross support coming from lots of different governments as we are proving what these people are, what they're trying to accomplish, and what they've always said they wanted to do. And no, that doesn't mean Ukraine as an entire nation. It doesn't even necessarily mean the Ukraine government, because I don't think that's what we're looking at. In fact, I know that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at a puppet regime that's been put in place by the U.S. government and others involved. Now, does that mean the Ukraine government before this was this beacon of democracy? I never even said anything of the such. But the point is that this is some, actually to that point, what do I always say? All of these governments are suspect and all of them are trying to lie to you and manipulate. That's just, again, maybe I'm a pessimist, but I think history has made that pretty clear. So it's not binary. It's not good, bad guy. I always make that joke because that's how they want to frame it. But the reality is that it's always nuanced. So we're going to get into what they're actually doing behind the scenes and what they're continuing to support and more evidence coming out of a lot of different directions, as well as of human trafficking. Surprise, surprise having a hot spot on the border between Ukraine and Poland. Weird. It's almost as if Russia's not even involved in all the terrible things. I mean, I'm being facetious because obviously they play a role, but it's interesting to see where these things are focused, and yet they still lay it at the feet of anything Russia because, well, Russia invaded Ukraine. Therefore, when Ukraine traffics across Poland, then it must be Russia's fault. You know, obviously, right? But we're also going to talk about some interesting discussions about Graham, Lindsey Graham, and just his belligerent nature and how he's pushing things to get even worse at a time when it's obvious that that's what they want. Azov Stahl will touch on the quick little point I want to make in there. And then we're going to talk about COVID-19 and some important follow-ups to the point we made yesterday or the day before yesterday. And to really break, I mean, I wish I would have had this in front of me that at that show, which I already knew in UK, but this is interesting graphs coming from Canada that show you not just that it's what we told, talked about the other day, where it's the high percentage, but it's also the risk per 100,000, which means you can't ignore this. It's not some weird graph showing you that because this many percentage of vaccinated people that therefore it looks like more, that's a fair point. But when you see the risk per 100,000 exponentially higher in all the vaccinated categories, you can't just plug your ears and stomp your feet. It's obvious what that shows you. And of course, we're going to finish with some interesting discussions around the Great Reset, central back digital currencies and where this is going in a rapid state right now. Now, you may have noticed I started with a little bit of music right there. I just figured I'm going to try to do that when I can, because there's usually a gap there in the beginning for those to watch the live stream. So why not throw some in there? That's one of my favorites right there. Ben Harper, better way, because we believe in a better way, don't we? Right. And I love that part at the end. Everybody I know is in the fight of their lives. Don't, doesn't that resonate with everybody? I sure do. I sure feel that right now. So let's get into it, because I know you guys feel the same. But I wanted to start off with something that was... Oh, first of all, just in case you wanted to read more on that discussion, the DynCore discussion, because don't forget, DynCore, Blackwater, or other Academy are currently in Ukraine and have been for years. So this idea that we don't have boots on the ground, it's a sidestep. It's an illusion, as it always is. These are, these are shady U.S.-funded contractors. They have had boots on the ground a long time. Even the CIA admits they did from 2014 forward, but, you know, fake news because CNN and Fox didn't say that. 
But the point I want to start with that you'll laugh about. Guess what, guys? Washington Post is reporting that the Washington Post wins a Pulitzer Prize for public service for January 6th coverage. For public service. But first of all, isn't, I mean, the idea that a journalist covering the acceptable narrative that's been laid out by the government is nothing but propaganda, even if it's true, by the way. I'm not saying that that's not necessarily something that they occasionally have to do as a journalist, report what's being stated. But the idea for them to cover this as some kind of public service, you know, beacon of journalism, Pulitzer Prize winning level, especially when you realize the entire thing about January 6th is one of the most embarrassingly overhyped ideas, situations, narratives, events that I've ever seen in my life. Of course, as we always have to play the game today to counterbalance for all the baby ears out there. Of that doesn't mean there weren't bad things that happened. That doesn't mean that there weren't crimes that were committed, right? I hate that we have to do that today. Not for you guys, but for that few people out there. But the point is that if you're honest with yourself, it's obvious that this was overblown. The fact that nobody even technically died, and yet they still continue to say that people died, except other than the person on the side that was there who got shot, and we nobody want, talks about that one, right? It's all the cops that got hit with things or dealt with situations that happened after this, and then have heart attacks or die from a, a it's ridiculous. That's sad. People die is sad. But to pretend that this was an insurrection, which by the way is what it says still. In fact, they changed the title already. It said insurrection on the first title that came out. And I guess they wanted to quiet that down a little bit because that's embarrassing and stupid. It's just painful. But here we are. Yay, Washington Post. Give yourself a pat on the back for your own ridiculous award coming from ridiculous people that lie about everything. Perfect for you. <laughs> okay, going forward. Oh, and here's just what I said. Hashtag fake news, two-party illusion, Bill ISIS. Just dumb. It's just really that stupid to me that they would even promote their own award, but then also on top of that, they're getting an award for something that was one of the most flagrant propaganda narratives I've ever seen, ever, because it was meant to be something more. In fact, for those that want to know more about that, there it is. This one we folk I focused on this show specifically, that event. And how it ties back to the larger agenda, January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using CIA-grown Azov Battalion. So you need, we need to see how this ties into the larger agenda from Ukraine to here. It's very important. Now, a quick note on some of the bot stuff. I found this really interesting that it seems that every a lot of people, even people that are constant followers, were starting to reach out to me and going like, hey, Ryan, don't forget that, that Elon's not in control yet. And I'm like, that's crazy. Is That's literally my point. I don't know where along the line over the last so many shows that it started to look like I was the one saying that Twitter is different today, not even remotely. Like I'm actually coming pretty baffled. That my whole point, and this is what, I guess it gets confusing from arguing from within the narrative, right? Where I'm pointing out the counterbalance and saying, look, you know, they say it's different. All the conservatives after 30 seconds after the notification came out, were like, oh my God, everything's free speech now. And all my followers are back. And it seems that there are some sort of verifiable changes happening to small degrees. But my first comment was, well, that's dumb. And you're either lying or confused because it's obvious that they don't have that power yet. Right. They just don't have the power. And, and, and well, and on top of that, the, the information's come out to show that it's going to be, and I'm sure the time is shorter now, but at the beginning, like months until actual change was going to happen, if at all, but that would have been his choice when that time comes. The point is that that I just was ridiculous to me, but then the next day we saw censorship, right? We saw Mer um, Meryl Nass, myself, plenty of people being censored for COVID-19 misinformation. And so my point was to go, okay, like jokingly, thanks, Elon. 
And even in the coverage, I was kind of making the point that I was being facetious because the point is the joke was, which I said it a couple of times, that if they are saying, look, it's all different because he's in control. And then we point out this, their comment, as you've seen, is, well, there's people still on the way out that are going to do the. Okay, so so you're willing to subjectively assume either direction in the way that you like to make you feel. It's silly. No one knows whether Elon is doing anything or whether it's people on the way out. But yet they're happy to assume in the way partisan, in a partisan way, that works for what they're saying. I just need, it just bothers me that people like that exist because they do. But the point is to make, I want to make sure people see that very clearly coming from my perspective that that's not what I'm saying. I don't believe that, first of all, first point, as I said before, why this is why this billionaire oligarch is any better than the other billionaire oligarch, right? That's the point. Two-party illusion, guys. But then on top of that, that if they're going to say it's different, then how do you explain the censorship? You got to own it all or nothing, right? And as I said, on top of that, since all the partisan players are yelling about how different Twitter is since Elon took over, I'll point out that I've actually never seen more bots on Twitter in my life. Not to suggest that it's Elon's fault. I'm trying to make the joke and use that point to make another. Today, this platform was overrun by narrative control from every side. Will it change? We'll have to wait and see. So I just want to make that clear because maybe it was because I, was, I wasn't being as clear. Like in my mind, I tend to remember the points I made three shows ago. and I forget to make that connection in the points I'm making as we go forward. But trust me, I in no way think Elon is going to change anything. I, I really hope he does. Just like I really hope that Trump would change the world. Clearly he didn't. And clearly he wasn't the guy that they thought he was or at the very least that he was manipulated. But either way, I hoped that he would do what they thought he would do. And he didn't. Same thing here. I hope so. But we're seeing this comic level of partisan push on this. It's really embarrassing. Oh, and by the way, don't forget that I was the one my account right now is weirdly in this quasi censored zone where if I'm on a private plat on a private page, it says that I'm censored and I can't use it even if I log in. But if I'm doing like my computer, I don't, it's very strange. So I don't know what's going on. Stuff is still happening, but we get stuff like this. In no particular order, the five most important Americans alive right now says a writer for townhall.com. Gee, take a look at who he's suggesting. Can you tell what side of the false two-party paradigm he's on? Rand Paul, Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis, you know, because of his forced quarantine legislation that nobody talks about. That's why he's most important. Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan. I mean, this is just like a who's who of like the talking head. Like, I'm not suggesting that I know, like, for instance, Joe Rogan or Rand Paul, I'm very suspicious, and you know my opinion. I don't trust any of them, especially government. But you don't know for sure. Maybe they're fighting for you. The bottom line is this is just kind of like the top. This is the partisan choosing list of people. that These are insiders, guys. But And this is who the most important Americans alive. I just can't stand the partisan kind of push here. But nonetheless, my point is this is what we need to see. Now, please digest this, guys. This is Elon Musk tweeting himself. So he points out this guy. Uh, a Russian account here. I'll actually do this so you can read the, the bio uh, where he's protected his tweets now. I think it's because of this, because of what's happening. Our people cannot be crushed. It can only be erased into gunpowder. You know, whatever. Some uh, pro-Russian account, essentially. Somebody who's been tweeting about this stuff tweeted this out. Now, well, here's what it says. He followed up and gives you, this person sent this to the Russian media. Here's what Elon posts of that. This is what it says. From the testimony of the captured commander, of the 36th Marine Brigade of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Colonel Dmitry Kormyankov, it turns out that the internet terminals of Elon Musk's Starlink satellite company were delivered to the militants of the Nazi Azov Battalion, 
more specifically the Azov movement and the, or I guess less specifically the Azov movement and the Ukrainian Marines in Mariupol by military helicopters. According to our information, now, by the way, I can't, this isn't, I'm not saying I can verify all of this. The point is what I'm making next in regard to what Elon says about it. But Elon posted this. This is what the guy sent to the Russian media that is being stated as information coming from this captured uh, uh, colonel. But it says, according to our information, the delivery of the Starlink equipment was carried out by the Pentagon. I mean, is anybody, would anybody be even remotely shocked about that? Elon Musk thus is involved in supplying the fascist forces in Ukraine with military communication equipment. And for this, Elon, you will be held accountable like an adult, says it reads, no matter how much you play the fool. That's the end of the, of the, for the podcast, the end of the statement. Now, here's what he says about it. This is all he has to say about it. The word Nazi doesn't mean what he seems to think it does. Well, Elon, I'm pretty sure you don't understand what it means if we're talking about these open, open, stated neo-Nazis with actual Nazi connections who you apparently are not dismissing helped with your Starlink satellite company and the Pentagon's involvement. Yeah, this guy's not an insider. He's not told this. He's going to free you from the government and give you free speech on Twitter while he's literally helping the destruction of everything, right? I mean, come on, if you can't see how this connects to the larger picture and not just one isolated discussion around Twitter and the illusion of free speech, you are falling into the partisan trap. Here's what he says next. There are no angels in war. You know, I agree with that. But you know what he's doing here? He is admitting this is true. Now, maybe you you got to take it for what you will. It's pretty clear to me this is him going, they're not Nazis. That's why this guy doesn't understand. Then says, there's no angels in war. This is rationalization. He, this, and if you think for one second that he is not an insider that would not be helping in this way, then you don't understand the situation. But take it for what you will. The bottom line is, guys, Twitter is, as we've said before, as, as many have pointed out, the closest thing you're going to get to human consciousness technologically. What is he trying to accomplish? Reaching the singularity. He said openly that they failed repeatedly. And look at their Teslas that seem to crash every 30 seconds with their self-driver that they let continue to happen. What are they trying to map out and figure out using U.S. test subjects? The bottom line is this is what the Twitter aspect is for, to use that, to figure that out. That's why they're talking about less advertising. Why? Because the data is where it's at. He's just unabashedly going that direction, selling and using your data for God knows what. Now, if you just want to blindly trust that he's on your side because he says he's a Republican, as if that even means anything anymore, then bad on you. But this is the uh, the ex- obvious connection to the larger picture. And I argue the entire Twitter thing was probably just to keep this larger point under wraps. I don't know. My opinion, as always. But think for yourself, guys. Now, before we get back to the Azov Ukraine discussion, I wanted to start with this just because of the Twitter connection. I want to go to step a step back to 9-11. The beginning of the security state, or rather the initiation of it in your life which now has clearly transitioned to the biosecurity state. And believe me, it is the same thing. It is the step two of the same agenda, whether that was planned in the beginning or not. So this is important because this shows you the continuity or rather there's the, the, the if you want to look at it on a really broad level, just the fact that these people are dishonest, that they will hide things from you. They will lie to you as long as it achieves what they want. I mean, you don't have to go much further back to see Trump telling you that, yeah, well, we know he killed Khashoggi, they killed Khashoggi, but, you know, we need to make weapon sales. But yet, even now, they act like it's undefined whether or not he killed Khashoggi. It's been admitted to, guys. They've stated it. Our government has talked about it. But now we're still like, well, we don't know for sure. Sound familiar? 
Look at all those deaths, vaccines. We don't know for sure because we're not looking at it. La, la, la. I don't want to see it. Well, here's the insider. Premium. That's why it's on the archive so you can read it. Declassified FBI memo confirms. I don't even know why that's in quotes. I mean, it's a, try to undermine even their own statements. That's ridiculous because that's exactly what the FBI agent says. That's exactly what it does do. But let's put it in quotes just so you're confused about it. Confirms direct connection between Saudi government and 9-11. I mean, this doesn't get much more clear, by the way. So this shows you the cover-up of something that began the entire, the the panopticon that's increasingly circled around you and getting closer and closer and closer. And now we're at the biosecurity state level. It says, for more than 20 years, successive U.S. presidents, and by the way, this is, uh, I can't get that to close, but it's May 5th, I believe, 2022. Here, just since I said that, I don't like any uncertainty. Put a new page here, and you'll see that it's on premium, but it is, oh, one second. It is May 5th, 2022. I just saw it real quick, right there. So this is new, just to make that clear. For more than 20 years, successive U.S. presidents have given Saudi Arabia a pass on the question of whether the kingdom's government had anything to do with 9-11 terrorist attacks. Now, first of all, just think about how weird that is, like standing back for a second, despite the narratives and what Saudi is supposed to be and their their reformed president or whatever, you know, and their women's rights and all these narratives you get, which none of them have been true. If you actually look at what's actually going on on the ground, it's never really changed that much at all, other than the narrative. But think about how weird that is. One of the most openly authoritarian governments in the entire area right? These are tyrannical, dictatorial kind of people. Then realize that they're still very aggressively on the side of like everything opposite to what the U.S. government stands for. Then realize that the Wahhabi ideology of the Saudi family is the big, is the backbone of Al-Qaeda, of all the discussions we have. Hayat Tir al-Sham, that's where it comes from. And yet, nonetheless, we just ignore the obvious evidence that are connected to that, to 9-11, ignore the obvious reality of what they are in, in our endless pursuit for freedom and democracy while we don't look at them and the most glaring example of the opposite of that. I mean, it just, it, it hurts my brain. These people are hypocritical, ridiculous, clownishly ridiculous. The bottom line is that they look the other way because there have always been the pit bull, the, the, the usable tool of the Israeli government, the U.S. government to achieve their foreign policy. I mean, that's the impetus of this entire country, or rather the family that leads it. So. Now we're finding out all this time later, they've known the entire time. But look at Ukraine. Look at the new COVID strain. That's where that's what's going to happen here. But this is just a little bit of a deviation. As the story goes, plenty of individual Saudis were involved, which, again, something that we just don't look the other way on, including 15 of the 19 hijackers. And, of course, Osama bin Laden himself, you know, the as the Washington Post, let's, you know, quickly dance back to their Pulitzer Prize for January 6th, as they once called him the warrior of peace. Let me see if I can actually grab that real quick. I forgot. I haven't looked for that in a minute. It's really interesting to see that they would even allow this to stay up. Maybe it's on the way back machine. Now, if I find it, I'll try to include it. I've shown it to you before. It's really crazy to see. Actually, maybe there's an image that someone still has up. There we go. Anti-Soviet warrior puts his army on the road to peace. That's one of them. There's there's a much clearer post. But th- isn't this, I mean, it's just incredible. Here's another one. Oh, that's not the one. But just so you guys can see right there. I mean, this, this is Business Insider. But this is corporate media. He was, according to them, a warrior of peace right up until he was the biggest enemy alive. 
sort of how, you know, uh, uh, Iraq and Saddam Hussein went, right? An ally right up until he was the biggest enemy alive. Like, it's an interesting how that always seems to happen. I've made that point many times, but we need to recognize that. They seem to build and cultivate the people that they then point at as the bad guys. <clears throat> Ukraine, you know, Azov Battalion. But it goes on to say, but there was no evidence to indicate that the Saudi government itself was behind the attacks. That's more or less what the 9-11 Commission concluded, which is just one of the biggest jokes of, of a cover-up of all time. And the Saudi government continues to cite that exact commission report. Look at that little perfect bow. In official statements as proof that Saudi Arabia had nothing to do with this terrible crime. In its report, the commission took particular pains not to implicate, specifically, Omar al-Bayomi, if I'm saying it correctly, a Saudi national who met two of the 9-11 hijackers in Los Angeles shortly after they arrived in the U.S., Biomi then helped them to move to San Diego, where he signed as a as a, a guarantor on an apartment that they rented. Now, I want to say one thing first of all. Well, this is coming from corporate media, and it's coming from released documents that they that they allowed. So it's just as likely, by the way, that every single thing in this is completely fake. Like especially for those that are you know really hardliners about the the nine eleven discussion, and and you know that tends to actually, to be honest, divide the truth community. To be clear, to be clear, and that tends to happen quite a lot. But nonetheless, in, who knows? They could be right. The bottom line is a lot of information on 9-11 is still, you know, I think that I always say is that we need to just recognize that our government was involved 100%. The Israeli government was involved. The facts are undeniable. But then admit that we don't actually know everything about it because it's just that's where they leave it. Same with JFK and same with plenty of others. But they could, uh, as it says, that uh, oh, my point was that in general, we have to remember that this stuff could be completely fabricated. That's why we tend to talk about arguing from within their narrative. So now as this is being released, we just have to take the bone that's given while recognizing they could be manipulating us. That's just a hard reality of the world today, that this does expose at the very least that they continue to cover this up. That's I just want people to see how willfully dishonest they're even willing to admit that they were dishonest about one of the largest events in, in American history. Why we trust them right now for COVID or Ukraine or anything else, or maybe nobody does. Again, maybe we're arguing into the air and into screaming into the wind and we're all going, yep, we agree. And there's not even a majority out there that keeps saying there is, but these things are important. Now it says, Biomi, after getting them an apartment, of course, has long maintained that he met the hijackers by simple coincidence, a claim the commission did little to contradict. Instead, it went out of its way to paint him mostly innocuous uh, innocuous portrait of Biomi's background, concluding that he was in the U.S., quote, as a business student, and that he worked for the Saudi Civil Aviation Authority, which perfectly makes sense. I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, you could argue that would happen, but it just kind of seems like a weird stretch. But, you know, of course, they didn't try to poke into it. Quote, I don't believe he was a Saudi government agent working to help the terrorists, wrote Philip Zelikow, the 9-11 Commission's executive director. In response to questions from a journalist in 2007, don't forget the date because he knew he was lying right there, but he continues to maintain that he doesn't believe what that information shows. I'll show you in a second. That guy is completely invested in a lie, in my opinion. But over the past several months, a raft of new documents have been released by the American and British governments that suggest that completely show unequivocally that the 9-11 commission got it wrong. But why now? Why suddenly did the U.S. and British government just go right now in the middle of this other story? Let's just dump this out there. Maybe you could argue because they hoped it wouldn't get seen, but I never go that route. I think that's too, too impossible today. So I always consider why they want you looking at this instead of something else. 
you to you as well should think that or consider that. But it says an FBI memo declassified in March. This one right here, you can read through it for yourself. In resp- in March of all times, it perfect. It's one of the most peak moments of them being their COVID narrative falling apart. The Ukraine narrative is getting exposed. Interesting, right? Roe versus Wade. Aliens are coming. Look over here, nine eleven. It seems like they're just pulling out the stops. But it says in response to an executive order by, of course, Joe Biden reported that Biomi was receiving a monthly stipend from Saudi intelligence. Oops. Right. So we know that now. There's no you. This is my joke about up here saying confirms and quotes or this guy going down here saying it suggests that they had it wrong. Come on. If he's getting a stipend from the Saudi government, there's no misunderstanding what you're looking at. So even here, they're trying to kind of downplay what you're reading. But it says, in other words, he was not a student, but a spy. Even the British, the, the uh, Business Insider confirms or states, according to the FBI memo, Dated June 14th, 2017, Biomi was tasked with gathering information, quote, on persons of interest in the Saudi community and passing the intelligence to Prince Bandar bin Sultan al-Saud, the Saudi ambassador at the time. <clears throat> quote, allegations of Biomi's involvement with Saudi intelligence were not confirmed at the time of the commission report. That's the way they sidestep it. Well, we didn't know for sure. I love how that just seems to be there. They, get, they should get that tattooed on their forehead. Well, we don't know. Well, how about you could say, well, we have intelligence that suggests that this is the case. You sure as hell do that every other moment you possibly can where it helps your agenda, even though if it turns out to be false every 30 seconds. But in this case, well, we don't know. So we're going to keep it secret for 14 years. Right. Does anybody buy that? Writes the memo's author, the FBI special agent at the Bureau's Washington field office, whose name is redacted, of course, quote, the above information confirms those allegations. So even they are saying at least trying to pretend like why we didn't say it all this time is because we didn't know for sure. But then he goes, but these new information confirms it. But here's the rub. Here's the, here's the, I guess the rub, however you want to say it. That information was there then. And they knew that. So I don't know whether he didn't know it for some weird reason or he's covering for himself. The bottom line is he is still then saying, but nonetheless, it now confirms that this was a Saudi spy. And that's the point connected with the other hijackers directly back to the Saudi government, aware and acknowledged by the U.S. government. Talk about a false flag. Talk about a, an event carried out against you. A second declassified FBI memo shows that a confidential source told the FBI there was a 50-50 chance that Biomi had advanced knowledge of the 9-11 attacks and assisted two of the hijackers while residing in San Diego. It gets better than that, by the way, but at this point you realize this was obviously something that should have been discussed openly. Of course not. Then, of course, just on a quick sidestep, don't forget that groups have already been proving for a long time, like like uh, uh, David Meiswinkel's groups and you know the uh, 9/11 Commission uh, for not, or Commission for 9/11 Inquiry, like they've proven that there were explosives planted around the building. Not not that's beside the fact that we have actual firemen and policemen who said the same that just get dismissed and covered up, and that's on the record explosions at the ground floor and so on, but they proved this guys in the Alaska study unequivocally, the only way mathematically that the building could have fallen the way that it did was with simultaneous, at least 50 pillars planted explosives. And then you can also get into the discussion of the actual explosions and things that were melted and on and on and on and on all the stuff that's obviously been covered up. So your government was involved. That's the obvious reality here. Now I could go much deeper than that, but that's just kind of like the surface level point to hopefully get people that are unaware of this to catch on to. Then think about what is happening today. The planned agenda efforts leading up to Ukraine or leading up to COVID-19. 
Now, the FBI, of course, declined to comment. Shocking. While U.S. intelligence agencies have repeatedly concluded, this is my point, that the Saudi government as a whole had no advanced knowledge of this, they have flagged specific Saudi agencies and members of the royal family as having ties to al-Qaeda. You mean ties as in like the creation of the very entity itself or the ideological backbone of what they are or the funding and arming and transit and transit? I mean, what a ridiculous statement that go from the Saudi government and the U.S. government. There is a thousand examples of not only the creation of them as an entity, but the funding and the arming and the transportation from country to country. But yeah, let's pretend like, but they're just a couple of them with special ties. And that's why none of them, they treat you like you're a fool. Last year, newly classified FBI files complicated another crucial piece of the Biomi narrative, suggesting that his initial meeting with two hijackers had been arranged by contacts at the Saudi consulate in Los Angeles. Shocking. I mean, just think about the Khashoggi discussion, which I think they briefly mentioned here. I mean, these people do not recognize that they're bound by any kind of international law, norms, or anything else. Just like Israel once said famously and reiterated more than once, they don't are not bound by international law. They're not bound by U.S. law. They operate on their own accord, and they can, they can do what they want around the world. They've said this more than once in their own parliament, in their own government. So same point here, as you watch them just gallivanting around and beheading people that are actually writers for the Washington Post or everything else we've discussed, realize there's plenty hiding all of this from you because the Saudi Arabian government, or rather the control of the area, is very important for the agenda. In an interview with the Business Insider, Thomas Keene, the former New Jersey governor who chaired the 9-11 Commission, acknowledged that Biomi was definitely involved with the Saudi government. See, now they're coming out, the, it's coming out of the... These are people involved in the 9-11 Commission, you would argue, would be more invested in not saying stuff like that because it could potentially implicate them in a cover-up. But yet, nonetheless, you got people involved that are now going, well, yeah, he was involved, which unequivocally shows you if he was involved with the Saudi government, that the Saudi government was directly involved with how this went down. Nothing's going to happen, even if this comes, even as this comes out, that should show you something. Just like Trump did with Khashoggi, they're going to quite, I bet you Biden won't be as clumsy about it. Not that because he's not because he'll be fed the information on how to say things properly. But the point, nonetheless, is that Trump was very clear. We don't care that he murdered somebody, a, po a, a journalist or not. We need weapon sales. That's what Trump was, in a way, a good thing, because he really did rip that mask off. But it says, quote, there's now all people that hate Trump are spinning out when you say something like that. But the reality is, yes, he was part of the problem. There's no question he was involved with Saudi, Kean said, and did not compete, complete that sentence before continuing. Interesting, right? Not involved with Saudi, what, government? Family, you know, it's interesting that he choked himself off right there, but it says it's difficult in Saudi Arabia to decide who's who, whether it's the royal family or Saudi intelligence. It's an interesting point to make because that shows you sort of like with our country that the CIA may not necessarily always amount to the government, right? Or the, the royal family may not necessarily amount to Saudi intelligence, which probably is CIA or Israeli intelligence or whatever else. There's a lot more going on there, right? So interestingly enough, it's the same way here. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the U.S. government, as much as in coordination with what's happening in the CIA or different intelligence agencies we don't even know about, that they're operating on their own mandate. They don't care what the U.S. government thinks. They're independent almost. They are the shadow government. My opinion, but it's based on the reality and what we've seen. Going forward, it says, but a second dra raft of documents released by the British government on top of everything else in, in response to a civil lawsuit against the Saudi government by the families of 9-11 victims points to the possibility that Biomi knew about the attacks before they took place. Among Biomi's papers was a diagram 
depicting a plane descending toward a target on the horizon. Yeah, that's normal. Beside the diagram was, of course, a mathematical formula to calculate that distance exactly. Because normal, that's how, and you know, you could maybe argue because it was aviation ties that maybe this was something that he might have done for some other abstract reason. But then, of course, it, it looks absolutely ridiculous to make that argument when you connect him to Saudi intelligence, connect him to the Saudi government, connect him to being paid by the Saudi government, and then getting an apartment for the hijackers, working with the hijackers, and knowing what they, I mean, come on. This is childishly obvious, and they're still acting like we don't know for sure. The diagram was seized by British police in late 2000, 2001. 2001, but its existence wasn't even noted until 2007. You see my point? So they had this information in 2007. That other guy was discussing how this 2007, the point I made earlier. So this proves you, he, they knew this. Then you're going to pretend that they have ties to the hijackers and mathematical equations on how to hit a certain location from a plane and this doesn't connect to people? Either our FBI is one of the most incompetent organizations in history or they are part of the cover-up. Probably a little bit of both, as I like to say. Three years after the 9-11 Commission issued its final report. That's 2007. After that, three years later, Mark Rossini, a former FBI agent who worked as a liaison to the CIA's bin Laden unit, didn't believe the Biomi had advanced knowledge of the 9-11 attacks, at least at the time the story goes, which he said was limited to a small circle within Al-Qaeda, which again, directly ties back to CIA, Saudi Arabia, U.S. government, all the things we talk about. But after reviewing the diagram, he's now changed his mind. Oh, you mean the diagram that was on evidence then? He knew that then, but now he knows it's public, so now he's changing his story? <laughs> That's what I think is happening, but decide for yourself. Now he changed his mind. Now he says, there's no question that guy was a Saudi agent. Okay, so still they say confirm in quotes. Still they say it suggests there's a connection. This is an FBI agent saying it's 100%. He's an agent. He worked for the Saudi government. He lied. Quote, it's unequivocal, he says. Seriously, I mean, our Western, our corporate media is beyond the pale. I mean, I can't even believe this is about as clear as it gets with, I mean, can you, Matt, take, take for a moment this story and superimpose it something else. Discuss this as a, a, a Ukraine said Russia carried out this kind of an illegal attack. That is the only point they have. And they'll write 37 paragraphs about detailed information about, and here we have documents, FBI informants, people on the record. Actual, actual diagrams drawn by them connected to the South payments coming from Saudi government. And yet this is what we get. It quote, confirms it. It suggests there might be some kind of a tie. Wow. I mean, I just don't even know why people give credit to them at all anymore, but going forward. It says Biomi, who has returned to Saudi Arabia, has given multiple interviews, right? Because he's not in jail or anything to law enforcement over the years. But the deposition he gave in the civil lawsuit brought by the families of 9-11 victims remains under seal. Don't you love that point? So now all of this we know. And, and yet, nonetheless, they have kept his testimony under seal, even from the families of 9-11. I wonder why. It's unclear, of course, they say, whether he has been asked about the diagram. Yeah, right. I wonder why. Like, it's, what do you mean it's unclear? One of the most obvious examples of the new evidence, and it's we don't know for sure, obviously they asked him about it, and that's obviously why they kept it under wraps. I mean, I, my opinion, but is any, I mean, what, if they didn't ask him about that, that's a scandal in and of itself. It's hard to see how the core question of Saudi involvement in 9-11 can be resolved without a full and credible account of his actions. Yeah, good point. Maybe, maybe that's exactly why they don't show it. Hmm. The evidence declassified by the British government also includes videos showing Biomi filming himself and his circle during his time in San Diego. 
Guess what? One of them shows him embracing Anwar al-Awlaki, uh, the local imam at the time who had direct ties to al-Qaeda. But don't, don't, don't try to recognize any direct connections to open al-Qaeda members because that we don't know for sure. Like Bayoumi, al-Awlaki was close to the hijackers. You see this just perfect picture? This is all information they had all the way back then. A second video shows Khalid al-Mihinder, one of the two San Diego hijackers, in the kitchen of the apartment that Biomi helped him rent. Yeah, some of the worst investigators of all time. The release of these new documents comes at an inconvenient time for the Biden administration. The U.S. wants cheap oil, continued rights for military bases, rights, <laughs> and a revived nuclear deal with Iran. That's not even close to what they actually want. I mean, see, this is just them towing the line from within a narrative. The point is they've aggressively continued to undermine making the new deal with Iran because that's the last thing that Israel wants. We, I'm not saying that might not change, but right now, the moment that Israel spec spoke up and bombed something in Iraq that was Iran-related, and then all of a sudden the whole deal fell apart again, like this, you have to watch for the signs. They don't want this to happen because it makes it very clear that Iran is not doing what they've screamed they've been doing this entire time. Despite the IAEA continually proving they're not doing what they say they're doing, this would just give them more normalization, which is the last thing they want. So they're going to continue to make the people of Iran suffer because that's fighting for freedom, right? But the point is, to the Saudi point, cheap oil, control in the territory, weapon sales. Of course, they failed to include that one. That's a problem for them. If this comes out, the argument would be just like with Khashoggi, they should do something about it. They won't, though. Mark my words. Saudi Arabia wants to end all discussion of the state-sponsored murder of Khashoggi and a free hand to pursue its brutal proxy war in Yemen. Right, the active murdering of civilians and starvation campaign and open blockade of their food supply. You know, open, aggressive war crimes, undeniable war crimes. Oh, you're wondering why there's not any kind of investigation or any kind of war crimes allegations or any kind of human rights investigations? Because we're all in a controlled everything. <laughs> I mean, you can't look at what's happening in Ukraine and look at what's happening in Yemen or Iran or Syria or any other, many other places that are actively being attacked and starved and bombed and pretend like everything makes sense. It just, it's that obvious. These people have been doing this to Yemen for decade and more, or more. And now they just don't want you to talk about it. The last thing either country wants is a renewed debate over the Saudi role in 9-11. Quote, the sad truth is that because of geopolitical issues, especially petroleum, we'll never go after the Saudis or hold them accountable, says former FBI agent Roussini. Truth slipping out. Which, by the way, is almost impossible to, to miss if you're actually objective. Just like with Trump, just like before, they need them, and the law and rights and integrity and morals have nothing to do with it. So if they have one caveat where they're going to ignore all the things they pretend they're fighting for around the world, ask yourself if there's more or if they even care at all. Finally, all of a sudden, all this information is available, they say. Yeah, that's the point, right? Why? Be skeptical, even if it's all true. Ask yourself why this is coming out right now. It says, maybe we're finally coming to a sense as a country that we can look these facts in the face and tell the story of what happened. That's a altruistic, or rather, not altruistic, a uh, very positive outlook, I guess. But at the end of the day, it's pretty clear that's not what's going to happen, in my opinion. But please look through this for yourself. This is really important stuff. Now, to add to that, bringing it over to the Ukraine discussion. As I said to this tweet before, 
I've been loudly highlighting the open connection, not leaked, on the record, between the CIA and the Azov movement, now immersed with the Ukraine government, and between the Azov movement and the Rise Above movement for months now. So it was odd at the time, this was May 16th, and remember, that means for, you know, the beginning. Before the invasion of Ukraine, we were discussing the reality of this movement, right? Just think about that. Long before a lot of the quasi-independents out there that love to jump on the stories late. But here it says, FBI documents reveal U.S. may have funded Charlottesville rioters through Ukrainian neo-Nazi groups. Documents show ties between, yes, exactly what I was showing you on the record many other times. But ask yourself again why the FBI is dumping this at that point. What were they trying to accomplish? What are they trying to do? We have to see how these things are seeded. There's a reason these things flow out. Now, I believe that we've had an effect on shutting down this narrative. But nonetheless, just recognize how I I honestly believe the FBI in no way even remotely does anything that's in the benefit of American people. In fact, I think they are one of the most openly detrimental organizations to the freedom of every American out there. And always have been from the moment the FBI was created. Now, that may be a little little over the top for some people, but look it up. Look up some discussions about the FBI and where it comes from and what they've always actually done, despite what they say they're doing. In most cases, they set up the very things they then stop. It's more of an illusion than anything else. Now, here's another point, just to add to this before we start the other conversation. A great article coming from Men Press News. With Hadi's ouster, Saudi Arabia's true ambitions in Yemen come to the fore. This is Hadi, who we've talked about many times, is the puppet president they, they put in place in Yemen to try to control what they're going to get from the different peninsulas, right? We talked about the, the Strait of Hormuz on the other side, the Bab al-Mandeb Strait. They need control of these areas. They, Iran has the, Hor- the Strait of Hormuz, so they need to control the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, which Yemen controls. And this is why they put this, in my opinion, one of the main reasons they try to take control of the area. Of course, the Houthis, the Ansarallah movement, kicked him out. The popular movement supported by actual Yemenis. And he's been living in Riyadh for a decade, right? He is not actually anything other than a puppet and arguably most prominently put forward by the Saudi government at the behest of the U.S. government, in my opinion. As it says, the quiet end of Hadi's reign, which we've already told you about, remember. He just, out of nowhere, just went away. But the point is how this happened and what they're making here is something I actually surprised I didn't didn't think about. It says... The quiet end of Hadi's reign after a decade of serving U.S. and Saudi interests not only nullifies the legal justification, if there ever was one, of the war under Chapter Six, uh, seven, excuse me, Seven of the United Nations Charter, but reinforces the long-held belief among many in the Middle East that Western powers were never interested in democracy. Yeah, big shock to those actually paying attention. But just think about how this translates to what they're doing in Ukraine. They, they, this guy is the rightful leader. This person is who they put in charge. It's the same thing. But no way is meant to suggest that Russia good guy, that they're doing all the blah, blah, blah. It's just to acknowledge the reality of who we're talking about now, regardless of what Russia is and what they're doing. There's what it says. Please read the whole thing. It's a great article. Uh, Ahmed has been always been doing great work from Press News in regard to Yemen and plenty of other Middle East foreign policy topics, as well as others. In perhaps the most significant political shakeup since 2015, Saudi Arabia and its Western allies have finally abandoned the ousted Yemeni president, Hadi. For, that's just the one name, make it easy, Hadi. On April 7th, <clears throat> Hadi used his presidential authority to sign, which he doesn't have, by the way, in reality, to sign power over to an eight-man body known officially as the Presidential Command Council. Great. So he basically hands over authority to the Saudi government. The Saudi-led coalition launched its brutal military campaign in Yemen in 2015 to restore Hadi to power following his ouster on the heels of Yemen's Arab Spring popular protests. 
<clears throat> of course, and this was the movement that rose up, also on Sarala movement, and forced him out. And remember, since this has begun, this long starvation and, and bombing campaign by Saudi and U.S. governments, there has been a pocket open and, and acknowledged of ISIS and Al-Qaeda that are right in the center of the controlled area of Saudi Arabia. And that has never changed since this period of started. It can get smaller. Hasn't grown. It's How do you explain that? <laughs> you know why. You know how. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, de facto ruler of the kingdom, has long been seen as the true power behind Hadi, who has been forced to rule Yemen in abstentia from, abstentia from Riyadh for eight years. Ridiculous. Bin Salman made a very public spectacle of Hadi's ouster as Hadi dismissed his vice president, uh, the uh, Ali uh, Mohsen Al-Amar, I'm not sure what his position was, and then himself, handing over all his power to the new presidential council. <clears throat> the, chore the choreography was similar to that presented by former Lebanese Prime Minister Harari, who we've discussed in the past, when he was forced to resign in November 2017. In a statement broadcast by Saudi-owned TV channel, quote, I reversibly delegate to this presidential leadership my council my full powers. Hadi said he we said when he in a written statement in the televised speech. Now they ask, and you can read the rest of it for yourself, a bunch of Yemeni people what they think of this. And here's one, Fadal Abbas, a Yemeni researcher who lost his son in the war, said the said of the news, quote, getting rid of Hadi proved to us that the president's value as president was solely to provide cover as he destroyed his own country for Saudi-led coalition interests, meaning the United States and everybody else involved. And when the Saudi had when the Saudis had enough of Hadi, they simply replaced him, regardless of the legality. Right. So as they continue screaming democracy and fighting for freedom in Yemen, here's this just like they did in Bolivia. It's all about freedom and democracy as we use the military to, impo in, to implant a dictator, pretend that's democracy. It's just all narrative, guys. They just say that's the good one. And of course, they have to do bad things while fighting bad people. OK, so you're not about democracy. And so it's not democracy yet. Like, what's the narrative? Like, it's so silly how, OK, well, they're a dictatorship. It's a junta. They're there now and the people don't support them. But it's democracy. It's just childish the way they present these narratives. The bottom line is, this is what they do. If you want to abstractly pretend like all this bombing and suffering and murder and rape and torture is all for the end goal of freedom, I'll let you play that game. But that means you're okay with the bombing and murder and occupation and regime change and rape and torture and all that in the pursuit of that. I don't know why anybody would think that makes sense. Finally, the U.S., France, to supply Iraq with new advanced weapons. <laughs> I just, this just made me laugh. Now, of course, we don't know what those new advanced weapons are. What if they were nuclear weapons? Certainly possible, right? New, new advanced weapons, maybe tactical nukes. <laughs> just think about how stupid this is, where they've occupied Iraq since the invasion of Iraq under the guys they had WMDs they didn't have. Weapons of mass destruction don't just mean nuclear weapons, by the way. So here we are. Now that everything has suddenly shifted, now they have control of the area. Even after they've been voted, they had to leave and said, we care about your, your sovereignty, and then said, screw you, we're not leaving anyway. Freedom. It's all freedom, right? Now they're going to give them advanced weapons. Why? Because they, I guess, seemed, they seem to think they have control. So what does this show you? It's not about stopping Iraq from having WMDs. It's, stop, it's, from, it's stopping the people they don't like from having whatever they don't want them to have. Clearly, it wasn't WMDs because that was a lie. So it was about what? Gold-backed currency? I don't know. It was about control? Was it about Iran? There's plenty of things you could talk about. The bottom line is, it wasn't about what they said, and now they're going, here's weapons because you're on our side now. Pretty stupid. <clears throat> now, going into Ukraine, 
Where are we at here? Kind of looking good. Premature self-congratulation won't help the U.S. and Ukraine, says the Los Angeles Times. Mission accomplished, says George Bush, right? Exactly. This is the kind of thing we see because it's all about narrative, right? Now, I want you to remember, again, before we go through this, because a couple of interesting things they say, not that we should believe, because we don't know for sure, what Putin actually is trying to accomplish, but we should think about what he said, right? What did he say when this first started? Well, he said what he wanted to do was exactly what has so far happened. Now, he could have lied about that in a way to cover the potential loss that he might incur, right? Certainly possible. And maybe he tried to push into Kiev and got pushed back, and then he just said, nope, I wasn't even planning on it. That's certainly possible. But the evidence isn't there for that, because at the end of the day, what we have is a bunch of yelling Ukrainian talking points about what they said was happening in Ukraine or in Kiev specifically, and a lot of, oh, they're openly bombing these areas, and there was never evidence, just like every other claim we get from them. Ukraine says that's what we get. Then you have people like Colonel McGregor who said the same thing and said, well, this is pretty clearly. Now, you could take that for what you will. None of that proves anything. But now where we are today, where we're at a position where it seems pretty clear, just really, actually really quickly to jump to this picture, wherever I had that. There it is. Oh, that's not it. Shoot, where was that? Well, that's frustrating. I thought I had a, I, I hope I didn't close that. Had a picture. Oh, here it is, right here. Okay. <clears throat> a picture of the military situation in Ukraine. Now, this comes from South Front. So, you know, you, can, you could argue, and it is a pro-Russian outlet. But think about the, the information we're seeing here. Now, in a corporate media, you're going to see all the all the Russian. So, but, oh, first of all, what you're looking at, the red is supposedly Russian-controlled or, you know, engaged territory. Blue being Kiev control. So what you're looking at, if you look at the corporate media narrative, all the areas up here, sorry, let me do this. There we go. Up here at the top are also engaged with, right? Now, there are some discussions there, but at the end of the day, what you're hearing from the other side is this. That they haven't pushed up to Kiev. They're not trying to go to Kiev. At the end of the day, what they've tried to accomplish is controlling the Donbass area, specifically right here, Lugansk, Donetsk, and, 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 and in regard to Crimea, right? The idea that they're trying to protect the Russian-speaking areas from the open neo-Nazi entities that have said they want to ethnically cleanse them and have been doing so in Donbass for eight years. All this is easily verifiable if you just care to listen to anything but the corporate narrative. It's provable. But what I want to point out is how interesting it is that that seems to paint a very different picture, question it please, than what we're hearing elsewhere. This seems to paint the picture of exactly what he said he was going to do. So all I'm asking is for people to consider, because the evidence seems to point in that direction, that this was always what the plan was. And even remember that, right, they claimed that today, apparently, he was going to declare a full invasion. <laughs> the full war has begun. Why exactly they would say he would say that is kind of silly, but it doesn't seem that it happened. Yet another narrative that didn't happen, but premature self-congratulations. So what the point is, is they're now saying, well, he failed, right? He tried to take Kiev and didn't make it, and now he's back here, which I don't know why we would trust either side at this point. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But nonetheless, they're screaming that it's already over, or basically about to be over, which they kind of did already a couple of weeks ago. It's just, I don't know why people trust these people from either side. This is from yesterday. To hear the Biden administration talk, the, the war in Ukraine is nearly won. This is even the LA Times calling him out sort of for this. And the United States wants some of the credit for winning it. Of course, because it's their war. Russia is failing. Ukraine is succeeding, says Anthony Blinken. Really broad and, sub, you know, what does that even mean? You mean politically? 
you mean in the war? I mean, they just it's abstract intentionally, right? Because that's not even if you're talking about what's happening in Ukraine, that's not even close to what's happening. Even corporate media grudgingly admits that it's pretty clear this has gone to the the direction that he has planned it from the very beginning. Whether there were some lo- coordinated losses in certain locations, I'm talking about Putin. Defense Secretary Austin went a step further. Now, this is really this is what you have. They say, they, they often say what they shouldn't say for whatever reason. As McLeod pointed out the other day, when they when they do this, you should listen. As it says, the United States isn't merely helping Ukraine win, he said. It's using the war to undermine Russia's status as a world power. He said that. So, I mean, that's, that is the actual vindication of everything Russia said they're concerned about. If you, this is what they, they denied was the case in the beginning. This is a direct attack. If this was happening in reverse, the United States, as you know, would rightly call this an attack on the U.S. government or the U.S. country. You know, and they'd be right to say so. If you are using the war, sending in $40 billion and everything you could possibly pull off the shelf and intelligence and people on the ground, and then telling people that we're not even actually doing this for the war, we're doing this to undermine Russia. That means you don't care about the Ukrainian people. You don't care about Ukrainian sovereignty. You don't care about anything other than undermining Russia at all costs, which is what we've been saying, which is what they've also admitted to up until now. But yet fake news, even though he just stated it exactly, quote, we want to see Russia weakened to the degree that it can no longer do the kind of things that it has done invading Ukraine. Okay, and that's what they'll point to. No, he didn't mean it before. They're going to say, because the look at what he's done and now we need to do it because bad guy Russia. Right. But even that's still not a fair argument because still, regardless of because of the bad things they did here, which, by the way, is completely ignoring the endless stream of bad things U.S. government has done in every country they've ever been occupying. We just don't talk about any of that. Not that that makes what Russia's doing any better. The bottom line is, if you're going to scream about these things and it's, oh, so this is, you know, it's just hypocritical. To act like this is unprecedented when it's very clearly not. But the bottom line is to weaken them to a degree they can't do this anymore. So you're still saying that the end game is not saving Ukraine, not helping civilians, but using them as a means to an end to weaken Russia. And then you could pretend what the excuse he said was why they're actually doing it and not just some long sought plan where they've always been doing that from the Soviet Union now to Russia. Last week, U.S. officials disclosed that American intelligence helped Ukrainian forces kill as many as 12 Russian generals and sink the flagship Russia's Black Sea Fleet. And that, of course, they say humiliating setbacks for Moscow's once proud armed forces. Maybe, if that's even what actually happened. It's certainly possible. Russia denies it, of course. It's always somewhere in the middle. I I honestly actually believe that's probably what happened, and Russia doesn't want to admit it because it looks bad for them. But the real point is, whether or not it's real, the fact that they're willing to admit that they helped Ukraine kill Russian generals and pretend like they're not in this war is just insulting. Sure as hell, Putin sees what's happening. I mean, that's the point, whether it's even real. He's like, well, there you go. We're using that to make it clear that you are this war because they are. Since for one thing, Ukraine hasn't quite won yet. The the chest thumping is premature, which it always is. They're hoping the narrative will somehow drive the actual situation. Russian forces are close, like like with Clinton saying, 99%, it's a lock. Clinton's going to win. And wait a minute, (laughs) that was flagrantly lies. Russian forces are closing close to taking full control of the port city of Mariupol. Okay, well, that sounds quite a bit different than about to win. That will give it a prize it's long sought, a land bridge between the Crimean Peninsula and the Russia. Okay, which seems to be exactly what they said they were actually trying to do. 
control these territories and not push in to overtake the entire country. The Russians could also expand the territory they hold in eastern Ukraine, Donbass, where fierce fighting is underway. If that happens, Kiev's, quote, victory could soon look less impressive. Can you, don't you love the way they just said that? You mean the absolute absence of any discernible victory at all would look less impressive? Yeah, you're, good point. The fact that they're losing territory, how can you even pretend to frame that as some kind of a less impressive victory? I mean, even th- even though their their point is that it's not really, they didn't make they didn't say that's count unequivocally or you know not true. They said it's less impressive. The bottom line is, my point in the beginning, it seems like they've done what they said they were going to do, and now are continually taking the areas they said they were going to take. To me, based on narrative, based on what we we're told, and all the facts that we can prove, it seems like they have had nothing but success. Now, of course, that will be taken as a pro-Russia point except it's just the reality of an honest person looking at the ground. For another, it says, it's unusual for U.S. officials to claim credit, even anonymously, for successful intelligence sharing. The problem isn't that they're revealing state secrets. Russia already knew the U.S. was helping the Ukrainians with targeting. The problem is that President Putin has tried to rally support among both his own people and those of other countries by portraying Russia as the victim of a U.S. plot. Oh, so you mean the truth then? We just helped him make his case. Yeah, because it's true. Now, again, the childish nature of where we are today is supposed to pretend like if it's the case, if he's a victim of the U.S. plot, that means he's the one fighting for freedom. Like we're in kindergarten. Well, no, that's not what that means, right? The the point is that, yes, it's a U.S. plot, which is on the record, guys. I mean, not only did he literally just say that, but the deck, the, 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 Time leading up to this has made it undeniably clear. Crossing red lines, taking action against... I mean, it's ridiculous. They wanted this to happen. The CIA admitted that. They've been planning for an insurgency since 2014. Now, don't forget the discussion of vanilla ISIS and the whole discussion of Azov movement and how they plan to use it. The point is it's undeniable. But that doesn't mean that Russia is not also doing things they shouldn't or that the fact that they didn't abuse that situation to achieve something they wanted. That's just called being intelligent. Standing back and going, maybe there's more to the story than a two-party paradigm discussion. But yes, there was a U.S. plot. And the point is, just like with WikiLeaks and the 2016 election, the point is that even if they did use that to rally support, are you really going to argue that it's somehow dishonest or wrong for a country to point out the truth? Whether it's about their own government or not. Apparently it is, because Russia bad guy. The war in Ukraine does not have anything to do with Ukraine. A commentary, uh, a commentary shown on Russia state television claimed last week, the war in Ukraine was designed to cause regime change in Moscow. Of course, that commentator was T- Tucker Carlson from the white supremacy, neo-Nazi, vanilla ISIS conservative movement. You know how it goes. Of course, it's all those bad guys. But that's what they want you to think if you're reading it from that perspective. The reality is that all of the corporate media is deceiving you in certain ways, and the two-party illusion is there to get you fighting against yourselves. But that statement is true. Because they've admitted that, guys. That's the embarrassing part about this. They have admitted that. This is why, and I could be wrong, I argue that Tucker Carlson serves as a release valve to get you thinking about certain things, but doesn't get you all the way because that's how they can stop the people that are waking up to certain things, which is my opinion. Maybe he's fighting for you and I have no idea. But it's more important. The United States has quietly escalated its goals in the war, but without much clarity about exactly what they are. That's a phenomenon known as mission creep. It shouldn't be called mission creep. It should be called U.S. policy. Like that is everything they do everywhere they've ever been. I've never seen them in a war where they didn't lie about what it was about and then push in for larger reasons. It says, and it's a recipe for trouble. Just ask former George W. Bush president who led the United States into 
overambitious, that's a very kind way to put that, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. You mean flagrantly illegal regime change occupation wars of stealing resources and murdering people and some of the most egregious war crimes in history? Yeah, pretty overambitious, I'll give you that. But it goes forward to say Turkish Foreign Minister Kavasulu complained recently that some members of the NATO organization or of NATO want the war to continue. I, I, I told you this the other day. That's a NATO member speaking on the record. They want the war to continue, despite what's happening to Ukraine civilians, despite whatever they say is happening. They, they are not trying to stop this. They're, in fact, doing everything they can to make it happen. He goes on to say they want Russia to become weaker. There you go, backing up exactly what he said. Meanwhile, Britain's combative foreign secretary, Liz Truss, said that her country is committed to, quote, push Russia out of the whole of Ukraine, a more ambitious goal than even the Biden administration has embraced. Expanding the goals of the war could stiffen Putin's determination to keep fighting or push him toward escalating, perhaps by resorting to chemical or nuclear weapons. Why do they even, I mean, is that because there's evidence of that? Well, no, just because they argue that, well, of course, if you get pushed, well, that's the next logical step. Maybe that's ex- it, 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 um, indicating what they actually think. There's no evidence at all that that's something that they even would do, want to do. or I mean, the only government that's ever used these things on other people is the U.S. government. Now, other groups have used them, but n- not nuclear, but nu- specifically the U.S. government is the only group, only government that's used these things. And yet every chance they get with no evidence, they suggest that's the next thing he's going to do. Certainly possible. Maybe he's going to bring down his alien battalions from the sky, too. That's certainly possible. But there's no evidence for it. So I don't know why we would fantasize about what they want. That's just the narrative they roll to get you to think, oh, no, he's going to use chemical weapons. And then guess what? Next time the Yaza battalion pretends there's weapons used like that, they're going to blindly believe it when they want to with no evidence. Just like every other time before this, just like Syria, just like any example we point to. But because they say, expanding the goals of the war could make him we need so that's admitting that what we're doing is in fact driving him to take more serious action right they're telling you they're going to use the war to make them weaker and this is the la times admitting that well doing that could make putin act out it's like they just want to lay the groundwork for why they're claiming he's going to take action even if they admit that they drove him to it i don't believe for a second unless they drive to the point to where they're literally about to launch their own nuclear weapons that they will actually do that But even then, understand that Russia's policy is not first strike. They've said that many times. You know whose is? Israel's, the United States. Except Israel pretends like they don't have nuclear weapons. Only country in the world that has what's called nuclear ambiguity. But it's a crime for anybody else, of course, because, you know, that all makes sense. But it says, Austin's statements reinforce, oh, by the way, Netanyahu's been caught more than once stupidly, like sheepishly saying things that admit that they have lots of them, but that's another story. Austin's statements reinforces Putin's belief that this is an existential threat. Says Haas, he warned, you don't want to push him into a corner any smaller than he's than he's already painted himself into. I guess this, I mean, really? Does that look like a corner you've been painted into? That looks like successful takeover of this area that borders your own country. It's not really a corner of any kind, but of course that works for the narrative. Now, I could be wrong about what he wanted to accomplish, but it doesn't seem like in any way, other than narrative, there's some kind of a corner that he's painted into. In fact, when you've encircled the Azov movement, or battalion specifically, in these areas, and they're barely fighting them off, that's not a corner. Somebody else is in a corner. Nonetheless, that's what they want you to think. You hear this and you think that. That means you don't trust. You look at people that trust the Western media. It's all they want. A narrative talking point. 
But the bottom line is they're admitting his actions and statements are driving Putin into a, they want to pretend a corner. So then when they carry out the false flag, in my opinion, they're going to go, oh, see, he was backed into a corner and we told you he might do that. Even though they're admitting that you're basically saying what we said in the beginning was true, that this was a, a war of regime change and everything else. And once the war is over, the United States and Russia will still need to deal with each other, says the Los Angeles Times. In 1901, President Theodore Roosevelt described his foreign policy as we just discussed the other day, speak softly and carry a big stick. Here's the embarrassing part of this. Last month, President Biden said he wanted to use the same approach in Ukraine. He says, quote, we will speak softly and carry a large javelin. Except that's literally the, they're screaming loudly and dumping weapons on people, right? It's funny to pretend like they're being the honorable one by, no, they're waving their hands and going, they're killing the Russian bad guy and we need to stop them. And that's not speaking softly. That's <laughs> whining and screaming and stomping your feet and then dumping weapons on terrible people's laps. Like the, the, the idea, as I just said the other day, is to, own, if you are strong, you don't need to stand there and go, I'm strong. That's what weak people do. That's what they're doing. Because it seems to me, politically, geopolitically, geostrategically, the U.S. government has been backed into a corner for a long time now. Whether we're talking about the dollar, a lot of different things. And maybe that's part of the larger design. But the bottom line is, if Biden is not doing anything regard, regarding speaking softly, uh, it's just kind of embarrassing. But that's, of course, what they want to frame themselves as. Now, here is what you get the other side of the narrative. Here is Press TV, Putin saying, no doubt, special military operation in Ukraine will achieve results. Now, you could argue that he's lying, covering up his failure, but just hear the other side of the narrative for somebody who's actually objective. Russian President Vladimir Putin has expressed confidence in the country's special military operation in Ukraine, which he argued was just what he's doing right now, and that's the areas we just pointed out, and it will achieve its intended result. As the campaign in former Soviet state drags on for more than two months, Russia's task news agency cited Putin as making the remark in a speech on Monday after overseeing the annual military parade on the Red Square to mark the Soviet Union's victory over Nazi Germany in World War II. Right, which is an interesting point to think about. Right, the, the Russian government, or rather the Soviet Union, was involved with stopping the Nazis, or so the narrative goes. And now they're the Nazis. Right? Like a weird transition from that, but that's not the truth, right? I mean, there are supremacist, fascist, neo-Nazis in Russia and their groups, but in no way remotely is it is is it even if it was a, a, a gigantic problem, it does not then somehow un ignore or or erase the very clear thing that's been built in Ukraine by the CIA and by outside forces. Using something that was rooted in Ukraine, but building it to a, a tool that can be thrown at the Soviet Union, but now today Russia. That's the point. So it's very weird to see this transition. But it says, quote, all plans are being fulfilled, he says, Putin. The result will be achieved. On that account, there is no doubt. He goes on to say Russia would have used any opportunity to iron out the situation in Ukraine by peaceful means, but it had not been given any chance to do this. Now, whether that's true or not, I would argue on the other side of it that the U.S. government didn't remotely, even for the smallest degree, want a peace discussion. They don't want this to end. This is a long sought plan that they, that's why they called it an insurgency before it even began. <laughs> How will you have an insurgency if they haven't even invaded yet? Because an insurgency is fighting from an occupied territory from within. So even right now, it's not an insurgency, but they keep trying to frame it that way, which just kind of belies their real agenda. But the point is, he claims that that's the case. And I agree with that, even if he didn't actually want that, right? They, they never wanted that on the U.S. side. If there had at least been one chance, he said, to solve this issue by other peaceful means, 
we would have certainly used this chance, but we were not given this chance. Simply not. Now, of course, he could be lying, but you should hear the other side of the narrative because it's usually somewhere in between both. Now, he also points out that pre- he re- Russia preemptively repelled aggression with Ukraine, saying on, on the Victory Day speech. What he argues here is Russia preemptively repelled a projected attack by launching its special operation to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. Russian President Putin said this in his victory speech. The decision to launch the operation on the 24th of February had been his only option under the circumstances, according to Putin. He says, quote, we saw how the military infrastructure was unfolding, how hundreds of foreign advisors had begun working there, which is easily verifiable, of course, for freedom, though, according to them, with the most modern weapons being regularly delivered from NATO countries. That's also been revealed, even though they lied about that in the beginning. The danger was growing every day. And... Can you not imagine this in reverse and pretend like the U.S. government wouldn't see this as a threat? Weapons and, and, and Russian military building on their own border? It's just so childish to pretend like this wasn't exactly what we saw it as. But it says, the danger was growing every day. Russia offered a preemptive rebuff to the aggression. This was a forced, timely move, and the only correct decision, according to him, one taken by a strong and independent country, according to Putin. He goes on to say, preparations had been underway for another punitive operation in the Donbass, saying that they were about to attack Donbass again for the millionth time over the eight-year process, an invasion of our historical lands, including Crimea. So he's arguing they were about to do something. Now, in no way would I ever argue that the preemptive kind of defense narrative ever flies, even if he was right in this. I just, I, I think that's a dangerous precedent that the U.S. and Israel and the U.K. are already using but nonetheless, you can't argue that some of the stuff he's saying was very clear. I still would argue that if in an honest world that you should have gone about different means to call this out. But again, I understand at the very least why, if this is true, that you would see why that wouldn't be something he would consider real. Going to the UN and getting shut out or speaking with international groups and the US ignoring them, right? I mean, it doesn't, it never works. But he goes on to say, according to Vladimir Putin, NATO had started actively deploying the military, um, the military of territories adjacent to the Russian Federation, like Poland and elsewhere, thus creating an unacceptable threat to the countries directly at its borders. Could be fake. The evidence is there that that was true. But the point being that even whatever you think about that, if that was in reverse, it's undeniable the U.S. government would have taken far more serious action. Quote, everything indicated that a clash with neo-Nazi Bandera followers in whom the United States and its allies had invested, because they have, it's on the record, was inevitable. Furthermore, Putin underscored that Kiev had also announced that it could be in the market for buying nuclear weapons. We proved this to you as well. So that hit every single red flag checkbox for what they were needed to do. And this is stuff Putin laid out before this happened. And then they crossed those lines. My point is they did him so he would take this action. In no way does that undermine or, or uh, you know, explain away bad things that you think Putin or the Russian government have done in this area. Just we need to acknowledge this reality regardless of what you think Putin has done or is doing or will do. That's just called being objective and honest. Now, again, compare this to what you see elsewhere in regard to what people are saying is happening. Like I said before, it's probably somewhere in the middle, but I definitely do not think just like Colonel McGregor said, that they were ever in, even even remotely trying to take action around Kiev. And the narrative was that was always the case from the Western side. So they created the narrative of bombings. Remember the guy we showed you who would walk in downtown Kiev while they claimed it was being bombed and rained on by different missiles? And there was nothing happening there. He walked it for a month straight. There was nothing happening in Kiev. And they were screaming that narrative. Interesting. 
You know, it just doesn't make sense, but, you know, question everything, guys. Now, moving over to the funding and who these people are, the West announces new weapons for Kiev, sanctions on Moscow. More money. Not a joke. On top of everything else, there's now more money going forward, or at least discussed. It's about to happen. The U.S. and its allies will provide Ukraine with billions in weapons and phase out oil imports from Russia. Yeah, because that's not going to do anything but hurt you and other individuals. The government's going to be fine. But you're going to pay a hell of a lot more for gas and resources and everything else. This is what they're doing to create the situation. They'll then blame on Russia and say, we need to reimagine it because this system doesn't work because Russia took advantage. Mark my words. A meeting of Western leaders resulted in pledges to transfer over $1 billion in arms to Ukraine and a new round of sanctions targeting Russia's economy. It, it, none of this even makes sense anymore. Like what they're doing is directly hurting people that don't deserve to be hurt. Or they're going after people like the oligarchs who, I mean, from a personal perspective, probably aren't the best people, but there's no evidence yet. There's no court that's happened, no trial, no investigation. Just people who are rich in in Russia, having their houses seized, having their boat taken. As I've said, that's the equivalent of them taking Elon Musk's stuff. (laughs) Taking, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. What's his name? Mr. Amazon, Washington Post. What is his name again? That's crazy. I'm, you know, the shaved head guy, the, one of the guys, these are oligarchs, right? These are people that are clearly invested with the government, but just Russia just seizing their yachts at some, one day in a, on, a, on an island somewhere with no investigation, no due diligence, no any process just because they said so. That's piracy. But it says on Sunday during a call with other leaders from the group of seven, the G7, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson promised to send $1.6 billion. And, of course, radars, GPS jamming equipment to line up right next to Elon Musk's satellite stuff we just talked about, and night vision. The massive new package from Downing Street, in addition to $150 million from the White House authorized to send to Kiev on Friday, there's no more money flowing out of your pocket. While every day you pay more for everything, while you still can't feed your family, while everything is struggling in your life because of stuff they did to you during COVID and continue to do to you now, and just blame Russia. Now, it's either Russia or Omicron. It's all you get. The latest American weapons transfer includes 25,000 artillery rounds and counter-radar jamming equipment. Yeah, because it's just Ukraine fighting for freedom, right? Almost every NATO state, every one of them, almost every one, and several other allied countries have assisted Ukraine's war effort. London, $3 billion in weapons. The U.S. has added over $3.5 billion. Warsaw claims to have transferred $1.5 billion. Look, we're talking $40-plus billion already come from just the U.S. government, and we're talking about adding... Can you, I mean, have you ever seen this much money flying into a country? We're getting close. I mean, how much you want to bet at this point, we're getting closer or over a hundred billion dollars with, I mean, there's probably so much other dark money and investments coming places we can't even see, but let's just, let's just call it 50, 50 billion. I can't even believe we're pretending like this would make sense while people are struggling everywhere. And all this money flies in to do what exactly to defend a regime change puppet government that is completely overtaken by extremists, that's all very clearly proven, even by the corporate media, 30 seconds before they invaded Ukraine, they were all saying the same thing, and now it's fake news. And yet all this money continues to fly into this country out of your pocket and everyone else's pockets, and we're pretending like this is not a U.S. war, not a foreign war, this is not puppet government being thrown against Russia. They don't care about the Ukrainian people. That's the point. Now, here are those people we're talking about. This is where that money goes. Here's an interesting point to make yet again. This guy points out, and plenty of others have as well, Zelensky's Telegram channel published and then deleted a photo of one of their military men 
because he had an SS emblem on his chest. Now, we've talked about this emblem before. This is exactly a Nazi emblem, like literally, directly from the emblem. Here's the actual name for it. The Chevron of the 3rd SS Panzer Division. But here's the interesting part about this. We met, we discussed this in regard to, oh, here, this is just the RT article about it. This discussion coming from Newsweek, right? Pro-Russia fighter with Nazi patches gets medal for killing Nazis. And I made this, I had this discussion then, but recognize something. That's not the same image. There's a cap on that. There's a hat. And yes, they, it does make a difference because you, as I showed you before, but nonetheless, though, as I pointed out before, that one beneath it is associated with white supremacy. The skull and crossbones can be, but it's more so this symbol. That's specifically an actual Nazi symbol, specifically. But this one, you would argue, my point at this time was, okay, this guy's got these symbols. You don't know why he put them on there. But yeah, we should consider that may mean this guy has these beliefs, certainly. But you don't get even remotely the kind of stuff we're seeing coming from the Azov movement. And endlessly showing you these examples, where there's one we just talked about the other day, wherever I put that, I'll go on through all these, this one here, where this guy gets caught. I mean, these aren't unequivocal. <laughs> It literally has Hitler on his arm, literally has the Nazi symbolism, right? That This is a guy who got captured from the Ukraine military. But at the same point, that does not then mean that everybody is like that. It could just be this one guy. But with the larger grouping of evidence, it's clear that these guys are openly espousing these things. They have marches in honor of these people. It's It's ridiculous how they're trying to hide this. My point in this discussion is to show you that they will do this to go, look, he's got this on his, on his arm, therefore he is this. But yet they fail to do that exact same thing in reverse when it's, uh, everywhere. But yet again, to make that point, this one is the Nazi symbol, and I'll show it to you right here. This is the literal at 3rd SS Panzer Division. This is the Chevron. This is directly from Nazi groups. So when you find, when you see it directly on this guy's badge, the exact symbol, not this one, but this one, and then Zelensky deletes it right after he posts it. Come on, it shows you everything you need to see. They know this is there, and they are desperately trying to keep it from your view. So the same way Alan McLeod pointed out. Maybe if I can even pull that up. Let's see. Is that the one? Right here. This one. Perfect. This is the one he pointed out before that we made a big point about. Right? So this article came out, The Lie of Neo-Nazi Battalions and the Guilt of the West. And he makes the point, that while they're talking about the lie of neo-Nazis, in this very picture, there are multiple, overt, undeniable Nazi symbols. And then they change it, which I think I posted down here, right here. They literally go back in, change the title, and they're still talking about the Azov Regiment, but guess what? They show a picture of not the Azov Regiment. You know why? Because the actual symbol of the Azov Regiment, which is part of the Azov movement, this right here, the Wolf's Angel, is undeniable. So they knew what they were covering up. That's the incredible part about this. So now let's quickly go through what some of these people are that we've proven to you. Now, these guys, this is just one guy that got captured, but we showed you these the other day. I'll include this again. This is one of the people, Ukrainian soldier, surrendered, who's speaking openly about the Nazi battalions and what they're actually doing. Yeah, I'll let you watch it again. I just showed this in the last show, so you guys can watch through this. Here's the, the second part of it. As he says, just to start, I conclude that the armed forces of Ukraine do not value their people. Now, here's one of these other guys, a POW, telling you what happened to him, that they did. He basically is, it's all about money. I mean, you can look through for yourself. We just talked about this. This is one of the other people telling you that he was ordered to shoot civilians in a kindergarten and also how he witnessed the murder of an elderly Ukrainian woman. Could it be lying? Sure. 
But it just doesn't end. How many of these people, including you, provable Ukrainian soldiers, on top of that, just and a flow of civilians. Now, I'll make a point in a minute, as I said before, that there are civilians that will say the opposite. Now, I don't even believe that, that they're all lying. I would tell you that there are plenty of people that maybe they wouldn't hurt, right? I think it's the fact that they are going after the Russian supporters. And there's plenty of people there that believe in their ideology or just don't see what they are. That'd be my opinion. But this means it's not as all-encompassing one side or the other as everybody always likes to make it. I'll show you that in a second. Here's another one that I didn't show last time. This is a reminder that Ukrainian soldiers don't take prisoners of war, but instead are ordered to kill Russian prisoners on the spot, which is a war crime. Undeniable. As it just says, keep in mind that the Ukrainian volunteer battalions in fact do not take Russian soldier prisoners. And this is this is people speaking on the ground. Everyone understands that no one should be taken prisoner. I mean, you can watch it for yourself. And I've shown these ones as well. This is the presidential advisor to Zelensky, who is saying the commanders of ISIL, ISIS, are considered some of the most wise and successful commanders that are currently in existence. And yes, this is what he's saying. Everything is thought through in detail, even the degree of cruelty. This is what he models himself after. Cruelty for show. It is inhumane, but is a very high level, a wise strategy, taking their particular interests into account. Crazy. They are acting very correctly. Talking about ISIS again. There's a big book where I analyze ISIL quite well. For them, best practices of how to run businesses, best practice of governance. Those that the, the world needs, parallel to that, this means terrorism, middle-age cruelty, the burning of people's people, shooting and cutting off heads. This is what he is saying he ad- admires. It's crazy. It says, this is absolutely a network of the future. This is what is leading Ukraine right now. Not just the Azov movement, but the actual leadership around the president, the puppet president. Here's another one. To vote for somebody with the qualities of Zelensky, only complete our, I don't want to say that on there, handicapped people can do that. I can't think of a better word. And at that, I am downplaying by about 20 times the lexicon that I would like to, anyway, just calling out the same person he's working with. But here are the main ones that I want to include. We've shown this many times. This is directly contradicting U.S. narrative coming straight from the Ukrainian extremists that your tax dollars are supporting. Since we've been given so much weaponry, not because of some say the the West is helping us, not because they want the best for us, because we are the only ones who are ready to do them, because we have fun and we have fun killing and we have fun fighting. And that the reason for the new alliance, Turkey, Poland, Britain, Ukraine, we are the flagmen here because we have started the war that has not been seen for 60 years. So imagine how many weapons we have and how many veterans we have. The bottom line is you go through this whole thing, he gets to the point of what they're actually trying to accomplish. He's talking about the people that the Maidan Square that were absolute neo-Nazis and that this is what they're building. Watch it for yourself. I've shown this many times. Here's another one. This person's telling you. But he's, this is a 2014 clip from a Ukrainian broadcaster. It's a Ukrainian journalist explaining why the people of Donbass are superfluous and should be exterminated. His own words. And I said, do not assume my point or intentions. This is about clarity and understanding. It says, you can ask me how it can happen. Well, it happens because Donbass, in general, is not simply a region, is very depressed condition, and the whole 
bunch of problems, the biggest of which is <clears throat> it's severely overpopulated people nobody has any use for. Trust me, I know what I'm saying. If we take, for example, just the Donetsk Oblast, there are approximately 4 million inhabitants. At least 1.5 million of them are superfluous. We don't need to understand Donbass. We need to understand Ukrainian national interests. Donbass must be exploited as a resource, which it is. I don't claim to have quick solution recipe. Come on. But the most important thing that we must be done is no matter how cruel it may sound, there is a certain category of people that must be exterminated. Now, of course, as you saw last time I talked about this, you can watch for yourself. Here's the full interview, so you can check it for yourself using their own subtitles. Here is somebody who follows up and says, fake, the video conversation has been edited to make him say what you claim. And I simply said, and he posts this, stop, fake, Russian, fact check. Well, look at it for yourself. As I said, did you even read that? It admits in that fact check that he actually said that. They just argue that the context. The clip is obviously edited, which it is, the, the, to make it a Twitter clip. Is it on Twitter? And I said, of course, they claim, uh, they, they call them terrorists. That's that's the context. Just like Israel calls all Palestinians terrorists. Just because you frame them as terrorists does not justify it. The point is, the context is that they're terrorists. That why That's why they're dangerous and have to be exterminated. But that's not true. There's plenty, I mean, the, first of all, they're not terrorists, not even remotely, but there's, even if you want to claim the fighters are fighting back, which you then label as terrorists, there's civilians, there's women, there's families, there's life there. But all of them, according to him, should be exterminated, or at least millions of them. And this is acceptable? Where's the ADL, huh? Plugging, stop plugging your eyes, or pl plugging your ears, stomping your feet, right? Don't want to see this one. From your debunk, good luck pretending this makes sense in a terrorist context, I did not realize that terrorists were a certain category of people. Here's exactly what he said in the larger context of the discussion. There is a certain category of people that should be killed. Like, I mean, you can call terrorists. I mean, come on. It's just obvious what's happening here. Here's the one we just showed the other day. I might even have this on there somewhere. Hold on. I'll, I'll get a plate right here. This is a governor in Ukraine arguing that people will be murdered for helping Russia. Extrajudicial execution. That's what he's talking about. Assassination of people that are simply kind to Russia. A regional governor of Ukraine has claimed he's ready to hunt down and execute people who support Russia. The chilling words came in an interview with the Ukrainian news channel. Today, a Russian blogger was shot dead in his car. I note how she smiles and nods like, yep, yep, that's right. And this is the guy we're talking about, a gigantic million-plus account here, you know, acknowledging this, because it did happen. A pro-Russian blogger was killed in unclear circumstances. Now listen as he owns this. This means that there are still Russian traitors in Ukraine, and all traitors will be executed. I am not afraid of this word. It will be so. And we will not be able to stop people from shooting traitors either. I want to remind everyone that a service has already begun work that will look for such people. It's already operating. You need to understand that we are far ahead in terms of information technology hacking. We have very good specialists and there are large databases. Everyone can be tracked. No one can escape justice. And of course, don't miss the obvious great reset overtones there but remember this is this is now happening now this 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 article follows that clip so he said that they all hide from it none of the cor me the, the corporate media touches it then all of a sudden they report about how they're hunting down russian sympathizers 
I mean, literally, and then you watch the video, it is horrifying. They, they, they're literally in people's homes. And these are Azov battalion members literally saying with their guns in their faces, what did you say about the Ukraine flag on social media? And the guy's about to cry. He's like, nothing, I didn't mean it. And this is what they're promoting? This is democracy? Oh, well, because war and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, just undermine that, just you know, explain away while they're openly authoritarian. It's disgusting. But here we are with this open discussion of them telling you we will assassinate more people. This is who they really are. And then, of course, the Ukraine 24 percenter, as Dan Cohen points out, goes full Nazi, endorses Adolf Eichmann, and calls for genocide of Russians. This is all on the record, guys, and I can't believe that people can't see this stuff. He says, quote, by killing children, they will never grow up and the nation will disappear. And I hope that everybody will contribute and kill at least one Muscovite, which is discussing people like in the Donbass region and Crimea and Russians. Now, yes, this is just a TV network person. It's like saying, because Tucker Carlson said it, therefore the government thinks it. That's not what I'm implying. But just recognize this is the sentiment from people that support the current neo-Nazi puppet government. This is crazy. As a journalist, I have to be objective and balanced in order to give you information with a cold heart. But to tell you the truth, it is very difficult to hold on now, especially at such a time. And since we are being called Nazis, fascists anyway... I can allow myself to quote the words of Adolf Eichmann. So literally he goes, well, we're being called fascists anyway, so let's literally just be honest about what we are. I mean, how else do you take that? Who said that in order to destroy a nation, it's necessary to destroy, first of all, children. Because after you kill the parents, the children will grow up and will definitely take revenge. By killing children, they will never grow up and the nation will disappear. The armed forces of Ukraine cannot annihilate Russian children because it is prohibited by the rules of war and is prohibited by various conventions, including the Geneva Convention. But I am not from the armed forces of Ukraine, and whenever I get a chance to massacre the Russians, I will definitely do it. Since you call me a Nazi, I adhere to the doctrine of Adolf Eichmann, and I will do everything in my power to ensure that both you and your children never live on this earth. Please understand this is real, guys. In order for you to feel how it is when innocent children die, in order for you to feel all the pain and suffering when you say, quote, and we did not start the war, it was all Putin, we did not want this war. We didn't want the war either. But you must understand that we are talking about the victory of the Ukrainian people, not about peace. We need a victory. Exactly. And if we have to butcher all your families for this, I will be one of the first to do it. Glory to the nation. Now, every time you hear them say that in a U.S. context and say, glory to Ukraine, recognize where that's tying back to. That's what they, I mean, even the historical context of like glory to something tends to have more of a nationalistic overtone. It's interesting that it like the Grammys, whatever, glory to Ukraine, they stand up and cheer. And these are all the people under the impression they're fighting white supremacy. It's really embarrassing for them. And we hope that a nation as Russia and Russians will never exist on this earth again because they are just denigrates who are polluting this earth. Right. Not the Russian government, you mean? No, 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 no. All Russians everywhere. Let's pretend like they don't want to eliminate the Russians in Donbass and Crimea. 
you utter children who are shaking your heads. I mean, it's very, very obvious. This is what they think. And I'm not talking about all Ukrainians. I'm talking about the people that have been overtaken by this agenda. Finally, if Ukrainians have the opportunity in this, what they are doing now, generally speaking, butchering, cutting, killing, strangling Muscovites. And I hope that everyone will contribute and kill at least one Muscovite. Yeah. Now let's think of Bucha and Kramstork and, and Mariupol and all the other places where people that are helping Russians are ending up with their hands tied with white bounds, right, that are supposed to signify Russian support. It's pretty clear what's happening here. And then acknowledge all the evidence that acknowledges, that exposes that that was what happened, how that went down in Bucha, in the train station, all the different things we discussed. They just skipped to the next story or all the fake news they've spread about the ghost of Kiev or whatever else they've lied to you about. This is what they think. Now, let me see where we are. 137. On the Byline Times, this is discussing inside the fight against the human trafficking sweet shop on Ukraine's border. May 6th. Now, any time in war, this is one of the things that really upsets me the most about these situations is there are villainous people that will take advantage and hide and, and, and kidnap children and other and other and take organs and sex trafficking and everything else, guys. It's horrific. And people like Eva, Bar- uh, Eva Bartlett's talk about this as well, but Vanessa Bealey and I've talked about this in regard to Syria and the white helmets. Even even this is this has been presented in front of the Hague. They they are very there's mountains of evidence suggesting the white the the white helmets not the civil defense group not the actual original white helmet men in Syria but the CIA cutout that the, the they're using with their English writing on their shirts who are faking things and manipulating false flags these people have been there's a mountain of evidence showing that they're involved with human trafficking and kidnapping children and so on that's a different discussion please look into it the point is this happens everywhere and usually it's the people that you wouldn't expect that are behind it like the governments of the world. But here's what my point in this. While this is happening in Ukraine, of course, they're going to suggest, even this article, that it's because Russia, you know, Russia did this and that's why it's happening. But why don't we ask where and why it's happening? As it says, with barely any support from local or international law enforcement. Right, so they're, they, the, Internet, the United Nations High Commission for Refugees is trying to find out what's going on on the border between Poland and Ukraine. Right. So understand that's the other side here. Let's go back to this map real quick. We're not talking about over here. Right. We're talking about way over here on the other side of the country. Okay. So people are fleeing, at least in one direction, which, by the way, and I'm going to show you another point today. Most of them seem to be fleeing towards the Donbass region of Russia, as far as I can tell. But, you know, think for yourself, look it up for yourself. But recognize that those that are fleeing, on the other side of the country is where the biggest problem is. Ask yourself why there's not a big discussion of human trafficking on the other side. Maybe it's because there's not, they don't see it. I don't know. It's probably happening all over the place, unfortunately. But it's interesting that even the Western press points out this. Where are we here? Way further than I thought. On the Ukraine-Poland border. And then realize they're not getting any support from the Ukraine government, from the law enforcement there. Why would that be the case? We should, at the very least, ask whether it's because they're involved. But, you know, you're not allowed to say that in the hype of the propaganda around Ukraine because they're in Russian jail. Or just that they're openly disgusting people that have done openly disgusting things in a large, you know, most of the high-level positions because they're taken by neo-Nazis and what they've done to people in Donbass. As they're, even their 2016 report proved that they were torturing and raping and manipulating people. 
That's coming directly from the UN about the puppet government that's there. Facts, you know, who cares about the facts? Why wouldn't they help? Quote, we've seen there's a gaping hole and there's no policing or governance around it. Now, of course, they're going to say because it's a war and we're getting attacked. And certainly that's a valid point to include. Are you going to pretend like they're just going to not even engage with this situation because of that? They don't care. It says men aged 18 to 60 are forbidden from leaving Ukraine. I said this the other day. I can't even believe that's, I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. As far as I could tell, that's not happening in Russia. They're literally forcing men 18 to 60 to stay and fight in the country. And we've talked about this when we're talking about the LGBTQ thing. Actually, me and Scott were just talking about this. That they, they remember they were turning people away. They were they were trans women that were trying to leave, and they're like, "Nope, you're a man. Go back." And it's just amazing the kind of people that are supporting this with the flags and their Twitter accounts when they just have no clue that they're actually supporting the count the diametric opposite of everything they think they believe in and are fighting for. They are forcing men to stay there, and this is the democracy. It's pretty ridiculous. But the point is that this is exactly what they are, guys. It says most trafficking in Poland happens through organized crime networks in the Central European region, and it was a problem long before the refugee crisis itself. Oh, good. So now we know that it was like that on the border here before this started. So you can't blame Putin then. That's interesting. Well, it says, we tried to grab the guy, but he bolted when they caught somebody in the situation. We have surveillance we've collected on him from previous days to the Polish police, but they didn't really want to know. Yeah, hear that, guys. Poland's like, la, la, we don't don't want to know. Why would they say that? You know, my opinion, because there's something going on here that they're involved or at least turning a blind eye and making lots of money. Oh, someone's commenting in the chat. Now, I can't confirm this. Chat is saying that uh, Poland passed a bill that prevents people, including women, from leaving the country in case official war begins. I actually heard something about that. I can't confirm that, but from the poster, I'd argue it's probably true. But the point is that that is an interesting contrast to what they're claiming the fascist dangerous entity is not doing interesting, but it says in the incident highlights, one of the main issues facing those trying to combat trafficking, the reported reluctance of authorities at the border to do anything more than the bare minimum of keeping the area calm and quiet. That's called in complicity. They're allowing this to happen guys, not Russia, but Poland and Ukraine. And by the way, guys, recognize where that is. You have people that are supposedly fleeing away from what they think is Russia bad guy and and being trapped into a a funnel of human trafficking. That seems pretty coordinated, if you ask me. But it says, unfortunately, the Polish police aren't doing enough, says Alaya Smotrich operations manager at Rescuers Without Borders, which operates a woman and children only refugee tent at the crossing. Now, when I first read that, I was thinking, well, that sounds creepy. But then I'm thinking, okay, well, that's probably an easy way to make sure that it's not as dangerous for them with their, when there's men involved. But almost sounds a little bit more alarming when you think about it for a second. So it's like they're just get all the women and children in one place. Like, I don't know. I'm super skeptical. But either way, it says, uh, uh, oh, just told speaking with the newspaper, she said this. It says, quote, we asked so many times to close this this the side gate at this women and children only refugee camp so that only authorized people can enter. But so far it's just not happening. Yeah, that's exactly what I expected. Quote, we, we do have volunteer IDs, but they're not worth anything. If you don't have a gate at which to show them. 
Oh, great. So you, you, you funnel in all women and children into one location and you make sure they're supposedly secure and then leave the gate open. How much you want to bet this is exactly as disgusting as I hope that it's not. The Polish police, of course, did not respond for comment. My God, you know what this looks like as well as I. I've heard a lot of buses from leave not making it to where they're supposed to get to. So, yes, I'd imagine a lot of trafficking has already happened. You know who is manning those buses from leave? The Ukrainian government. I haven't heard any examples of Russian buses falling into the hands of human traffickers. God, this is just disgusting and obvious. Goes on to say, as the course of the war shifts, so does the flow of refugees. Many Ukrainians are now heading home. That's interesting. Reassured that because of Russia's failed attempts to take the capital of Kiev, which discern, as far as I can tell, never even happened, it is now relatively safe to do so. So ask yourself this, in the middle of what seems to be a continually ongoing battle, why they would run back into the country they just fled from, especially if you realize that it's at least questionable that that ever even happened. You know what that suggests to me? That they're fleeing back to areas that Russia now has control of because they were afraid of the neo-Nazis, which, by the way, seems to be backed up by the information. Maybe that's just my perspective, but as always, think for yourself. But it says, inevitably, the traffickers now see opportunities on the Ukrainian side of the border. Why just the Ukrainian side? Targeting people as they enter their home country and look for ways to travel to their hometowns. So now you're arguing that people on the Ukrainian side are taking the opportunities of them coming back into Ukraine and taking them as they come back. So you're catching them both ways. How do you not see involvement of the Ukrainian government where they're failing to do anything about it? They're not, the police aren't helping. The government's not saying anything. They're not even commenting. And then they're not even closing the gates on the camps they're allowing inside their own territory. And they're getting, I mean, guys, this is just a pretty clear picture to me. Quote, we were on the Ukrainian side of the border the other day, and there were Mercedes cars with blacked out windows full of guys. Kind of sounds like what we're seeing the refugees on the other side of the border being seen as. Remember all these reports of all these Mercedes? And they're going, man, these refugees are getting lots of cars. Maybe it's more to that story. Maybe it's because they weren't actually refugees, but they were traffickers. It seems like something out of the movie, but it's true. Two big saloon cars, three guys in each car, which makes no sense. If you were there to pick up somebody and take them back to Kiev, for example, you wouldn't have three guys in each car. There are red flags everywhere. All of this is happening inside Ukraine. In Lviv, a city in western Ukraine that, due to its rail links, is a popular first stop for people coming from Poland, sees a steady stream of refugees returning home, many boarding free buses heading for various destinations around the country. Denis Rinsky, head of volunteer operations at Lviv train station, goes one step further and says that human trafficking is something that happens in the EU, but he claims in, like, the lone contrast to everything else everybody else is saying, which I I don't buy it for a second, he says that it's actually impossible, his word, in Ukraine. So it happens everywhere else, but it's absolutely impossible here in Ukraine. Doesn't that scream red flag? Despite the fact that it been that it has that even this article says, despite the fact that it's been documented extensively in the country for decades. Okay, so Dennis Rinsky, who I was un, unsuccessful in trying to look up. I was half expecting to find him as a leader of some movement and of odd battalion. But it's just very, very obvious. He goes, it's impossible, even though this article says it's been documented and it's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know who he is and what he's involved in. But it says, quote, we have never heard about people being taken, he says. 
maybe this is a business run by gangsters in Europe, but not Ukraine. This is sort of how you get that one person who comes out and goes, no, they gave us food and they patted me on the head and they gave me lots of stuff. And then everyone else says, no, they raped me and tortured me. And let me. Some of these people are lying, but it says a lot of people just don't know about trafficking, says the article, which is like their way of suggesting he just didn't see it. But the point is, guys, I think it's an obvious reality that this is just a side hustle happening while they're taking advantage of Ukraine, just like they did in Syria, just like they did in, Ukraine, in Iraq or everywhere else. I mean, how about the story about what happens in Afghanistan with the young boys? The allowance of people, young children being raped by Afghanistan leadership and your government, your military were literally on the record told not to do anything about it. Just recognize the constant here. Now, going over to Senator Graham for a moment. Let me check one thing real quick. Right, okay. Senator Graham pushes to designate Moscow. After everything we just showed you and what these people are, not just Azov movement, but the entirety of what has been put in place there by foreign powers. Graham wants to designate Moscow. He's literally talking about designating the entirety of the Russian government as a state sponsor of terror. Escalate support for Kiev as well, of course. So despite on top of everything else, more money. That's all this guy cares about, making war and sending money to them. Whether it's Syria, whether it's Afghanistan, this guy's been there from the toe in that line, following McCain's coattails. But it says, Senator Lindsey Graham said the U.S. must pursue an even more aggressive strategy against Russia. Even more aggressive. This guy's a maniac. He's actually the one that openly called for anybody anywhere to assassinate the Russian president. Like, that's okay. While appearing on Fox News Sunday with Brett Baer, the hawkish senator advocated for barrage of actions taken against Moscow. Graham promoted, can you even imagine for a second if the same kind of bellicose narrative was spun by any Russian anything? They would lose their minds about it. But of course, this is Graham speaking about freedom. You know, Graham promoted a new piece of legislation he co-authored with Senator Blumenthal that calls on the White House to designate Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. Senator Graham published an op-ed Friday, which of course is totally normal these days because the media and the government are just wanting the same thing, arguing the designation will allow the U.S. to conduct more legal and economic warfare against Russia. That's how clumsy and open they are right now. Oh, okay. So right now you're in an illegal war, illegal actions with Russia. So we need to pass this bill that will allow the U.S. to conduct more quasi-legal things. Because he didn't say legal, he said more legal. (laughs) Words have meaning, guys. Now, even if you want to pretend that means in additional legal things, the point is that what they're doing right now is exponentially, I mean, however you want to call it, extrajudicial. I mean, they're taking action that is completely outside the law all over the place, whether it's unilateral sanctions, whether it's, I mean, you could go on for days. But this bill, calling them a terror, a state sponsor of terror, would give them the ability to lay at the feet the funding of white supremacy around the world, because that's their new domestic terrorism focal point. It would also create the justification for them to do whatever they want, anywhere they want, and blame Russia, just like they did with ISIS and Al-Qaeda. It's their war on terror, right? All they need to do is pretend that they're in the location, and they don't even have to prove it. That's the point. So more legal. They're trying to get this in a situation where they can pretend it's kind of legal like they do with the war on terror, even though it's not. However, Graham does not link Russia to a terrorist group. Rather, he compares the invasion of Ukraine to, guess what, the Nazi military campaign during World War II. Oh, you mean the campaign that the Soviet Union was literally involved with stopping? (laughs) Yep, that one. And now he's comparing Putin as a, quote, megalomaniac wanting to rewrite the map of Europe and 
recreate the former Russian Empire. Now, here's the point I keep making. The only place in the on the planet that exists is the narrative they claim Russia wants. Never have they said that. Never have they implied that. Never have their actions even indicated that's what they want. Now, could it be possible? Of course. Could they just be very a lot better at politically presenting themselves and hiding behind the idea of saving people to the to the end of creating that the ability to carry that out while making it look like you, Chris? All of that's possible. But guess what's missing? Evidence. Any even the smallest shred of evidence whatsoever. What they do is when Putin says we're trying to save the Donbass people, they go, oh, wink, wink, neo-Nazi, white supremacy all around the world. Like that's what they keep doing. We know what Putin wants. Yeah, you know what he feels too, huh? You know what he dreamed about last night probably, huh? Does his stomach hurt right now? Good job, mainstream media, you're killing it. It's so childish the way they're acting right now. But the bottom line is they don't know this. They're saying he wants these things. They're saying he wants this. But then think about how embarrassing it is while we're proving that this is the only government in the world I can see that is this overrun by overt Nazis, neo-Nazis, fascist entities, and just extremists, the Ukraine government. Uh, from top to bottom, this thing is completely manipulated. And yet he's the one ca- trying to compare the, what he's doing to a Nazi invasion. That's so they can try to lay the whole thing at his feet because this has been a decades-long agenda. Vanilla ISIS was not just pulled out of nowhere. That ridiculously contradictory narrative. Uh, on top of the fact that they want to pretend that he's, you know, pinky in the brain here trying to take over the world. Certainly possible, but seems to be the opposite of what he's doing and saying. So. Let's just trust one person over the other. But it goes on to say the senator also urges the passing of the $33 billion bill for Ukraine, which, to be fair, as I was kind of rattling off before, is not technically official yet, but how much you want to bet it goes, prosecuting Putin for war crimes through the International Criminal Court. Yeah, he said that. And putting more weapons in theater that can target the Russian military offensively. Right, because it's not because the U.S. isn't involved. They're not giving them weapons that can directly target them, that they can then guide, that they can then watch happen. It's so silly that this is, they might as well just be puppeteering the entire thing, which it seems like they are. The speaker of the Russian state of Duma said, quote, Washington essentially coordinates and develops military operations, thereby directly participating in the hostilities against our country. Now, what's funny is if I said that in a tweet, let's say, oh, you're Russian shill, you're a spy for Russia. Except that's like literally what they just said they're doing. That's exactly what Graham just said. That's exactly what Austin said they're doing. But when you say it the way that makes them look like they're not what they want to pretend they are, oh, Russian shill. So when you state their own statement in in your own, you look like it's just it's I it's, it makes your head spin, doesn't it? It's kind of ridiculous. But I, this is why I continue to say I think people see through it today. Finally, he says Graham boldly called on the U.S. to take out Putin. Now, I'm not sure if they're referring to another time he just did that or the first time he did it. Either way, that's crazy. And said that the Russian leader no longer had an off-ramp. This is, again, suggesting like he's invested in this to take over Ukraine and he's failed and now he doesn't know how to stop. Or he's doing exactly what he said he's going to do and he's completely on track. I don't know for sure, but what I can see is what he said and what's happening. Just because Graham said he wanted to do something else, this guy's lied about a thousand things. I don't know why you would listen to him. You should consider it, though. But he said no longer had an off-ramp. He predicted that the lack of an off-ramp, get this, guys, you know what's coming, would provoke Putin to use chemical or nuclear weapons, causing the U.S. to enter the conflict directly. He's just laying it out for you. (laughs) Oh, you mean just like the other people suggested without any evidence? I mean, it's just kind of silly. So, I mean, even in the reverse, think about what he's saying right there. So he's failed in the invasion. 
and he doesn't know how to get out of the war, so he's going to use nuclear weapons to get out. I mean, does this guy even know how to tie his shoes? I don't understand how that even makes sense. If you were going to use nuclear weapons or chemical weapons, you know damn well, as anybody does, that that would create more conflict. The U.S., whether it was even real, would jump on that narrative and use it to do what he said, to push into the war, which is what they want to do. So he's literally arguing that they're failing, but yet, therefore, that's why they're going to use the one thing that they shouldn't use because it'll draw in the U.S., which will keep it going. That's their way of getting out of the war? I mean, what is Graham's IQ? I don't even understand why that would make sense to state, but it doesn't even matter. As long as you just lay out at the end that this means they might use the thing we keep telling you they're going to use, and when you hear that narrative, just think to yourself, Russia, that's all they're doing. They are training the lowest common denominator to nod their head when they hear the right narrative. That's not the majority. Now, here's the interesting part about the ICC. Yeah, so Graham is more than willing to say, yes, use the ICC to go at Russia. Except he's also been on the record many times about why the ICC is illegitimate, because Israel. Yeah, because he's a hypocrite, and they're all hypocrites. It says, this is a, a, card, a press release saying that they're calling for Pompeo, this is the time when he was with Trump, defend Israel against politically motivated investigations by the ICC. You can just see down here, this is his name, where it says, neither the United States nor Israel are members of the ICC. ICC actions currently underway could lead to the prosecution of Israeli nationals, despite the fact the ICC does not enjoy legitimate jurisdiction in the case. Well, they do because Palestine's part of it. So they just lie about that. But the point is that they know there's evidence. They're not saying there's not. All they're saying is, well, because they're not a, a member, you're not allowed to point out those gross violations of human rights that they're conducting. But it says both Democratic and Republican administrations have refused to join the court in part because they fear its politicization and misuse. Lindsey Graham. But it's totally okay when they want to go at somebody else, though, right, Lindsay? Because it's not being hypocritical. Here is Israel, Times of Israel. Lindsey Graham, as well as others, argued in their statement that exi exiting U.S. law, existing U.S. law, makes clear that if Palestinians initiate the ICC judicially authorized investigation or actively support that investigation, all economic assistance must end. Oh, cool. So you're going to starve Palestinian people because they want to have somebody investigate the crimes committed against them? Just recognize what a gross hypocritical stance this is for him to go use the ICC to go after them. It's just embarrassing. This is what they do. They It's the same reason they will disregard and ignore UN mandates, UN resolutions, and accept then when they want to be like, Iran's violating UN resolutions. So it is Israel. The, why the corporate media doesn't point that out shows you how fake they are. Now, here's an interesting last point on, on just a kind of the way the the way that the, the hypocritical stance around Russia. It says Poland responds to an attack on Russian envoy. You might've heard about this. The Russian envoy was in Warsaw for this, one of these, the, the parades, the celebrations. Oh, this is funny enough, the celebration over Nazi Germany. So this is a, a Russian uh, a government entity support, celebrating the winning over Nazi Germany, as, as the narrative goes. And of course, the idea being that that's what they're claiming they're not doing. That's kind of contradictory. But the point is, somebody dumped a bunch of red stuff on him. Now, you know, I mean, this has already happened, in fact, that when even Bill Gates or other people, but specifically more recently around politicians and people dumping stuff on them, they are persecuted to the full extent of the law. I'm talking like way over the top because they want to frame themselves as, as a protected class. Same with journalists. Right, you you dump some some ink on them or something, and you're going to get arrested and probably get charged with a hell of a lot of stuff. Except in this case, they did the same thing here. 
But as we all know, Russia, bad guy, right? So it's okay. You can do anything to any Russian anywhere and you're going to, it's acceptable from Ukraine side, from the U S government side. We even just talked about that just in the last show, but it says here, according to the minister from Poland, the gathering of opponents of the Russian aggression against Ukraine, where genocidal crimes are committed every day was legal. The emotions of Ukrainian women who took part in the protest and whose husbands are bravely fighting and defend. So bottom line, it's okay that you did that to him because Russia did bad stuff. Right. So who cares about the invasion of Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria? And right when so when that kind of thing happens to a to a U.S. politician, they lose their minds. You attacked him. It's an assault on my freedoms and you're going to go to jail for 30 years. But of course, what happens here? Well, Russia, bad guy. So it's OK. Breaks my heart how stupid this is and how people fall into this. And it creates vitriol, hatred of other human beings that in most cases don't deserve that hatred. You're being trained, you're being directed at those people because the right people to actually, to are responsible for the bad things are the ones directing you at the other people. Finally, this is just, you can see it. Russian envoy to Poland, dou- Poland doused with red liquid. And they're like, no big deal because bad guy Russia. Now here is a quick video I want to play a part of where this person who I've, I've already referenced, Graham Phillips, is on the ground and he's discussing an interesting back and forth around the evacuation of people from Avastol. Now he makes a couple points here I want to play. And this is about showing both sides of this, right? Because at the end of the day, there are people that are leaving and going, well, the Ukraine people help me. Because that exists, guys. But the body of evidence is overwhelmingly on one side, which I've shown you. But nonetheless, that happens. I just want people to see that, that there are people on all sides of this. And he makes the same point. He's clearly of the mind that these people are dangerous. But he makes that point that these people may just believe in their ideology. They may just not realize it. Or maybe the Azov movement and people in control didn't see them as on the other side. So they treated them without negativity. Right? So who ultimately knows? But interesting to watch. This is Graham with you again. Now, in this video, before cracking on on the ground and on into Azovstal, we're going to own the theme of civilians in Azovstal and tell a few home truths on that theme. Now, truths, as you know, can sometimes be hard. Not everyone likes them to begin with. In fact, many get quite agitated, even angry about that. That is the truth. But ultimately, I believe it's best for all overall to get the truth out there. Now, we can say, and apologies here for the BBC screenshot, that all civilians have now left as of style. That is been evacuated and here's the Daily Telegraph once again with the Jedi mind games trying to make out that these civilians were evacuated into Ukraine when Bezimenia is in the DNR. Right. See, this is them already lying to you. Like they know these people chose to go to Russia. And as far as I could tell, it's the majority. And yet they lied to you. The telegram makes it look like without saying it so they can, you know, plausible deniability be like, no, 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 we didn't say that. That was, yeah, was your misunderstanding. They want you to misunderstand and think they went to Ukraine. That's the point. But in fact, they went to the DPR. They went to Donbass territory. And what does that show you guys? Why would they be in Avastol and then flee into the Donbass territory? They were held there against their will. And by the way, that's what most of them do say. But he goes on. And those evacuated there either stay in the DNR or go on into Russia. Now, if you're interested in the theme, you'll have doubtless by now already have had your fill of interviews with civilians evacuated from as of Stalin. To be blunt, of course, as perhaps as the same Russian Sopan Yatno, everything is clear. They all sing different tunes. If they're on the DNR and Russia side, it's all about how the neo-Nazi Ukrainian Azov battalion kept them hostage use them as human shields. If they're on the Ukrainian side, it's all about how the lovely neo-Nazi Ukrainian Azov battalion looked after them while the bad Russians were bombing them, etc. So forgive me. For- 
what's interesting right there though is even that part of it recognize what's not there is the the provable aspect of that right so on one side of it you have the people that are saying they beat me raped me robbed me held me hostage and then on the other side of it you've got the conversation coming from them saying i was in a hole somewhere and i was told we were being bombed by the russians like to argue that they were out there watching the bombs fall seems pretty stupid doesn't it so if they're saying we were being bombed by the russians they're hiding in a basement somewhere so you could even argue that those people might not even be aware of the reality you see what I'm saying? And there's been plenty of people that have said that. They were told from the beginning that the war is already over, Russia already lost, you know, like just kept feeding them with narratives. So they stayed afraid of these people. Just something to consider. I, the bottom line is I do believe there are plenty of people that actually were treated okay by these by the people on the Ukrainian side, maybe because they're not all the way we think they might be or because that they believe in it or whatever. But then there are people that are tricked on that side. But then there are people that are on all sides of this that just are of the same mindset whether it's Russian or Ukrainian or neo-Nazi or whatever we're talking about. For a lack of specific interest in their utterances, there's a bigger point, there's a bigger picture to make here. Mariupol, we're looking at it here, or at least a part of it as it is now. Once a big, a beautiful city, a port city, a great city, and for sure it will be that again. For now, as we can see, as we start to look over the city, it's seen better days once a population of around 450,000 people in the city and now likely fewer than 100,000 hundreds of thousands having either left to Russia the DNR or Ukraine although as we know the Ukrainian neo-Nazi Azov battalion stopped many from leaving shooting up cars as they tried actually as I'm approaching Mariupol next time let me film that for you all the shot up and burned out cars and routes each with a tragic story now, on that note, and you can watch the rest of the video in the show notes, but the point is that this is what many, many, many people have admitted to. Even U.S. military who, got, who had to flee on the record said that they were threatened with being shot if they tried to leave. I mean, this is the reality. Now, here's the last point on this before we go to some COVID discussion for the end of the show. George Webb's reporting that, and this I've seen this circulating. I haven't been able to confirm it myself. There's been a lot of stuff that's been circulating. It doesn't seem to be true. Oh, wait, that's crazy. Did I? Forget that. Yeah, I wanted. To, I didn't want to miss this. How'd that get scooted over there? Oh, that's because it's Pfizer. Never mind. <laughs> I'm conflating the ideas in my head. We'll come to that in a second. This is about uh, in regard to Ukraine, and supposedly this Canadian general has been captured and was inside Ozovstal. Now we've talked about this before. This even happened that there were supposedly people that were trapped there, and that's why they tried to continually get them out quietly. What he's saying is, according to him, lots of credible sources are saying that General Kadir has been captured at Avastol. He has been tied to both Heinz Feldman's, NATO General Heinz Feldman, and Canadian bioscientist Heinz Feldman, and they're waiting for video. So we'll wait and see what happens. I, I haven't confirmed this is the case, but it is being reported by a lot of different people across the board as, you know, the, the idea that they were there from a long time ago, at the very least that they were there as NATO both U.S. and Canadian, different people helping them in regard to what's even happening in Abastol, which means they're embedded with the worst of the worst of the worst. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, moving over to COVID-19 to wrap the show up today, some interesting points to make here. As we've talked about in regard to Sweden, I just can't get past how obvious this continues to be. This is one of the points that it just ne they will never talk about. Sweden pandemic deaths among the lowest in Europe, all while avoiding lockdowns. But you could add to that while not forcing masks, while not forcing injections, letting people make their own choices. 
And of course, the collective media would scream about how they were killing everybody. And here we have the example that they were wrong and probably knew they were wrong. Sweden is the, is in, they have bucked the system from the beginning. Now, that's not to suggest that they're not going other, you know, great reset directions. I mean, they were talking about implantables and so on. But the bottom line is, how can you look at this and then pretend like the right action was taken anywhere else? There's no explanation here. Now, we've talked about this discussion in the last show. This is just April 3rd to April 30th. This is the month of April. And showing you that in the month of April in British Columbia, just in the case of deaths, 93% of all the deaths were people that were injected. 76 of those were just people boosted. Now, this is unequivocal in my mind because it doesn't make sense to argue that that would be that many people. The, if it's supposed to present, prevent death, except for rare cases, why would 76% of the deaths be people that are injected? It's just crazy. But of course, let me give you what they're trying to say. I'm going to add to this because it's not just this. This was just the point they made in the last show. It's also the risk per 100,000 we've continually been showing you. With those together, it's undeniable. Now, here is what somebody sent in regard to the tweet I'm going to show you next. But this is what they're saying in regard to what I'm talking about here. It's a good little graph to give you the way they're trying to manipulate people with these child-level graphs. He said They're basically saying, look, okay. This is, and he's saying he sent this from uh, a... a co- uh, what do you say? What is he called? A COVID fa- vaccine fanatic. And this is what he said was why we misunderstand it. Okay. Basically says, you can look at the picture like this, right? So here's what the picture we're seeing. Here's the hospitalizations. But if you say, here's all the vaccinated people and here's all the unvaccinated, and that picture makes it look like there's more because there's more over there. I mean, it's not even an unfair argument, but it's very childish because there's a lot more involved with what we're actually staring at, let alone 76% of all of it. Right. I mean, that's not even what that looks like. That's not 76%. So as you understand, that's not, it's not 93% even. That's crazy. That means way over the top. But here's the point. This is just in addition to everything we're talking about. This is the graph from Canada entirely from March 21st to April 10th. And this is the death rate per 100,000. So this is, this is talking about specifically the, the, gen, the, the percentage, or rather, no, excuse me, the majority, but then also the broken down risk per 100,000. So you can't argue that it's because of this kind of an illusion. It's the risk per 100,000, which is why you do it, to ignore, to omit, to, uh, to not have to run into this kind of a problem. And here, and if you, for the podcast, here's what it says. In every single category, the triple injected are the highest. Just take, let's just take, well, let, let's take death. It's 2.13 per 100,000 if you're triple vaccinated. If you are unvaccinated, it's only 1.06. Anybody want to explain that to me? Taking hospitalizations. In this case, the weirdly enough, the partly injected is higher, but the the triple injected is 17.12.12 per 100,000. The uninjected is 9.41. I mean, there's just no misunderstanding this, and you, especially when you take it in conjunction with this, or rather this. That's pretty damn obvious. Now, for you can look into it further. I put the links here for everyone to check out. I've talked about this many times. But just to make the point even more clear, here is the information that they were showing you on March 20th from UK entirely before they stopped, before they started hiding this from you under a guise that you don't understand what you're looking at. You know why they hid it from you? Because the risk per 100,000 in cases specifically was exponential. Look, this is almost four times higher in every category if you've got three doses in your body, right? So 18 to 29, 781 per 100,000, 18 to 29. 2,542 per 100,000 in three-dose category. 
That's grossly over. That is exponentially higher if you've got three doses, let alone two. It's even worse, but that's why they don't show you that. So the bottom line is 18 to 70, 18 to over 80, you have an exponentially increased risk of getting sick in general if you've got any injections in your body. But then you can just come over here to look at the death again. What I've shown you before is to look at these categories. They are very close to each other. So if all you're getting is a 0.1 difference in, let's just take the category of 39, 30 to 39 of death, but yet you've got a four-time increased chance of getting sick, all that means is you are at way more risk than anybody else. Getting nothing is safer for you. But they're hiding this from you. Now let's look at Scotland. This was the last one they showed before they hid it from you, just like the UK. And this, my point here was that this, and it was, actually, no, this wasn't the last one. This one was the only one I could dig up. This was February 4th. The one I did show you last showed you that these numbers were already starting to explode in the three-dose category, just like we're seeing everywhere else. Then they immediately hit it from you. I wonder why. But before that happened, recognize that the two-dose category was way, way higher than anything in the unvaccinated category. Every single category, and this is the risk, the rate per 100,000 is higher. 11 to 14, 7 to 16, 10 to 14, and 10 to 11.68. How do you misunderstand this? Their risk is simply greater if they've got doses in their body. Here is the same thing we keep showing you in regard to, let's update it right now, just in case. This is the graph from May 9th, specifically Ontario, in the ICU. Almost 75% of cases are people with injections. But remember that even the unvaccinated category, they lie to you about because it says not fully, which includes people that have injections in their body. But yet the ICU, so people are in their critical care, about to die, and they're talking about COVID cases, and it's almost 75%. And it's been like that for months. But let's keep pretending like it's just something we misunderstand. Here was the counter signal I just showed you. Just make showing you the time frame of the week of April 10th to 17th, where at that time frame, 99.6% of COVID deaths in Canada, all in Canada, were vaccinated people. Here's the data for you to check for yourself. Now, with all that being said, people people documenting here on May 6th, 2022, there's a bill now in California allowing kids 12 and up to get vaccines without parental consent. Right. So you don't have to you, you can't smoke a cigarette, can't join the military, can't do anything but get a sex change and get a vaccination. Does that make sense to anybody? You're not smart enough to get a cigarette, but you can get a sex change. You can't take back and you can get an injection. You can't take back. Someone's starting to see a correlation here. There's weird stuff happening. Bottom line, 12 years and up. This is criminal. It makes me sick that this is happening. We're, we're, we're removing the authority from the parents. And don't forget, by the way, just like we've been telling you from the beginning. We realize they're continuing to pretend like right now that we're in this big problematic situation that was never going to go away, but simultaneously quietly going, well, it's just like the flu. The FDA finally admits it's, we should treat this like the flu. Now, remember that they're trying to pretend like Omicron's way watered down. It's the same thing, guys. If you look at the data and you look at the way they were just screaming about it, doing more PCR tests, conflating flu and pneumonia, they made it look like what they did hospitalizations and 50% overshooting children hospitalizations and lying about their deaths. And I mean, everything's been exposed piece by piece by piece. And they just don't push it all together. So when we're now going, well, I'll treat it like the flu. Yeah, exactly. Because it has always been something like that. It might as well, it probably could have just been a bad flu. Bottom line is this, this shows you everything that we've always been saying and they're only just now getting to after two and a half years. So you were robbed of your life because of their manipulation. This is May 3rd. It says top officials at the FDA wrote Monday that going forward, Americans will have to accept COVID as another respiratory virus like the flu. 
no, it's not your choice. Just accept it. You have to accept it. Now we're just transitioning to the new part where now it's a part of your life and you have to get those injections too. Passing bills, passing laws. But this time it'll be six a year. I don't know whatever they're going to talk about. FDA Commissioner Robert Khalif, Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock, and the agency's top vaccine official, Mark Peters, wrote that COVID-19 will be in circulation for the foreseeable future. Didn't the great Barrington Declaration say the same thing and you guys all screamed at the top of your lungs that they were crazy and anti-science? Weird how that came around, right? Must be accepted as another common virus in the Journal of American Medical Association. Like with influenza, this new reality will likely require annual COVID-19 shots to be tailored around the most threatening strain to the virus, the officials wrote. Oh, so just like the flu and how they guess every year and how they conflate pneumonia deaths to make it look worse and lie about vaccine sales, as we just reported in the last show, as the WHO admitted back in 2011, yes, exactly like that. So now we're stuck in their routine. But guess what won't? Guess what will happen on top of that? mRNA platforms and the growth of universal vaccines and on and on and on because we keep going. Quote, widespread vaccine and infection-induced immunity combined with the availability of effective therapeutics could blunt the effects of future outbreaks. Nonetheless, it is time to accept the presence of COVID, the virus, or SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 is the new normal, they said. Isn't that perfect? It will likely circulate globally for the foreseeable future, exactly like we all said, if you believe this is even what's happening, taking its place alongside other common respiratory viruses like flu. And it will likely require similar annual consideration for vaccine consumption. Of course it will. Never-ending profit model. Oh, but don't worry, though, because on the third, they said this. Probably like the flu. No big deal. Get your jacket and go back to sleep. But then, Kathy Hochul tests positive for COVID on the 8th. New York governor's expo- exposure comes as a state battles yet another variant that's more transmissible. See, it's still happening. Kathy, the, the governor of New York, announced on Sunday that she had tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, but don't worry. She's asymptomatic. And it was only detected as a part of the routine testing. So it probably is not even real. <laughs> How about that? How about we acknowledge and we all know there's false positives, but yet, and you, you, won't even, you can't even use a PCR test to enter certain venues. You have to have multiple things. But yet we all pretend like this is absolute asymptomatic, which doesn't exist. And of course, the routine testing with high quality false positives. What was the cycle threshold? Right? What was all the information around it? You'll never get to know. It doesn't matter. Today, I tested positive for COVID-19, she said. Thankfully, I'm vaccinated and boosted. Oh, so you're thankful you got something that didn't do anything to stop the thing you said it's supposed to hurt people? Great. And I'm asymptomatic, which means it's not there. And I'll be isolating and working remotely this week. Now, we also need to ask whether they're choosing to isolate themselves from a dangerous political situation by using this excuse. But she said exposure comes as the state battles yet another variant. That is more transmissible than previous versions of the virus. Be scared. Other th- Over the past two months, case numbers have steadily ticked up. Oh, my God. Except... Deaths have remained relatively stable. Oh, okay. So you're not in danger then. <laughs> cool. So let's, they're hyping just like they have before. For weeks, officials have warned that New York could be on the brink of a new spike. Maybe a new, a new spike protein, maybe. Though the prolif- proliferation of at-home tests has made it difficult to assess the scope. Isn't that interesting? So the fact that they've allowed people to test at home who are then not broadcasting those tests has screwed up their plan to be like more positives everywhere. That's how it sounds. The rise in cases comes as coronavirus precautions, such as vaccine and mask mandates, have been rolled back. It's such a dishonest way to report that. How about the fact that you never reported that even while there were masks and everything happening, that the cases were going up too? Never said that. But of course, just because they correlate the timing, that while they rolled back, you're claiming they're spiking cases, except the deaths and the hospitalizations are staying pretty stagnant. They just love to make it look like it's getting worse because you're not wearing your mask, despite the fact that literally has no effect on the transmission and is hurting you. 
And in the final frenzied days of budget negotiations, many top members of her inner circle contracted the virus, all of which were boosted and vaccinated, of course, because it totally works, though the governor managed to stay healthy, even though she just got sick. <laughs> this is the first time she's been infected, according to her staff. Guess who isn't getting sick? Pretty much anybody I know that hasn't had an injection, but that's the common theme we're hearing. But finally, on this note, don't 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 ignore all of the billions and billions and billions of money dollars coming out of your pocket and flowing into neo-Nazi, uh, I guess, bank accounts, drug problems, <laughs> all that money flying into the people over in Ukraine. On top of that, but totally disconnected, White House asked for another twenty billion dollars. 20, I'm not even making this up, guys. 20 billion on top of 40 billion for Ukraine, on top of the billions and billions that flew out for you for COVID before. They want that. Why? To stop the winter waves, you know, like the one that didn't happen last time. But they screamed about dark winter and you're all going to die. And then it didn't happen at all. In fact, here we go again. Exactly. That's what this is just money, 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 control. They're flowing this out. Now, here's what I mistakenly remembered for Ukraine. I just want to float this out there before we finish the last point here. Right now, this article and tweet about a Pfizer exec being arrested is making the rounds. But it's, what's most embarrassing to me is that it's a satire site. And yet the comments are full of the entirely expected partisan players yelling about how they've proven this is true. Trust me, I wish it were true. Hashtag be better. Hashtag two-party illusion. The problem here is that this, in this case, I mean, who even cares what partisan side that it's on? The point is there are people in there that are either pretending they looked it up and saying they knew it, they know it's true, or are really bad at research and looked it up and thought it was true, or people that know that it's not true and are using this to make it look like people like us would bite on this without doing our due diligence. That's what they think of us, that I'm going to show this picture and be like, oh, we got arrested, breaking news, which some people did. But here's the point. It's not true. Here's the tweet. It started. Vice President Pfizer's been arrested at his home and charged with multiple counts of fraud. And this look at the engagement. But here's the point, though, which is pretty embarrassing. Which this one probably is stealing my identity, for all I know. That's exactly the problem, by the way, of what they do to BritChute and my website is that they undermine the meaning of what that statement is. I'm referring to what said where, you know, it said warning from Twitter before I clicked to the site. I don't know the site. But these days we think of that like some kind of a censorship tool. So we go past it. It's, you know, do you see what I mean? Like, it's almost like they're training you to not be worried, but you probably are being attacked now. But the point is to go to the, where was it down here? Oh, geez. Hold on. I had the picture up. I'll just grab that if it's easier. I don't know why this is loading so slow. What you'll notice in here, by the way, oh, it's right there. This is a satire article right there. It's not real. But that's not really satire, is it? It's not even meant to be funny. This is a straight-up lie article. They're just lying about what's happening by hiding under the satire. But you know what? That, that's free speech. Do your thing. I'm not saying it should be censored. But what I think is interesting is that they don't... It's not funny. They're not satirical at all. They're just lying. It's not the same thing. But I argue that's a. this is probably intentional to, one, undermine satire like Babylon B, which has become pretty cutting to their narrative lately, but also to trick people who don't know any better, like this guy who screams, it started, and people underneath here. Astonishingly, this is still not newsworthy enough for the news. And there's plenty of people down here saying, I searched privately on Bing, and it's already being censored. And that, that's not the one, but people saying this. I don't believe, oh, where was it? Some people are pointing it out now more so than before. 
Anyway, the point is there's plenty of people in this chat, this comment that are going like, I verified this. I know for sure. And it's just, it's amazing that this is, we need to be careful guys, because this is what happens. Now, finally, this is a really important discussion to finish up with in regard to the central bank digital currencies. A great article by Kit Knightley here. This is, a, this is an alarming reality that's being built right now around you while they're screaming it's nothing to do with the Great Reset technocracy and your control, COVID-19 or otherwise. It's all about that. A new report from the Bank of International Settlements estimates that up to 90% of national central banks are at least in the planning stages for launching their own CBDCs or central bank digital currencies. Don't forget how they all try to yell down, yell you down from supporting cryptocurrency anywhere right? As they're building their control structure around it, sort of like they did with the internet, sort of like they do with anything else. They want to be, or like cannabis sales, for instance, they want to be able to control it before they let you use it. The point is that you having control over it before they do that is what they don't want. Like, didn't they just get done saying it was all a big fad and it was going to fail because it's not backed in anything? Well, here we are with them doing it all. That was the plan it always was. Consider why those financial advisors might also be part of that illusion. But it says nine out of 10 central banks are exploring central bank digital currencies, and more than half are now developing them or running concrete experiments. In particular, work on retail CBDCs has moved to more advanced stages. That's important because of the control. And I'm so glad Kit Knightley wrote this article because it's an important part that people aren't remembering. It says this echoes a March report from the IMF, which claimed over 100 nations are at least in the planning stages of releasing their digital currencies right now. It seems programs of government-issued digital money have been gaining momentum all around the world since at least shocking 2020. What a coincidence. And apparently now they exist in over half the countries on the planet. Even at 2020, remember, they were screaming how it was, fake, it was a fake news story. Cryptocurrency is not real. It's all about human trafficking, about weapons sale. Yeah, you were thinking of the dollar is what they were doing, but now they're all invested and they always were. It says, uh, it says, going forward, as with all globalist agendas, the push for, for, C, for digital currencies, central bank digital currencies, central bank digital currencies is always part of the current thing. And this is an important point to hear. First, as we remember, it was part of the response to COVID, right? Oh, it'll help to stop money changing hands, right? Then suddenly it was to halt climate change. Weird transition, suddenly. Then, of course, now it's, of course, to stop Putin. No, this isn't being made up, guys. This is how transparent this is. Just so happens to be exactly that. This is what we said in the beginning of COVID. Remember all these conspiracy theories that were literally made true because they were now using COVID to drive them forward, like digital currencies, like vaccine passports, like every other thing we keep showing you. And they can, oh, well, because COVID, and now it's because climate change, now it's because Ukraine, all of them. Using that method, they have moved from a barely discussed fringe idea to regular mainstream coverage in 90% of the world, trying them out, all within a space of a couple of years. Interestingly, while central bank digital currencies are being talked about more and more, there's one specific feature of them which is being talked about less and less. And that is the important part, programmability. We've talked about this already. Programmability is a hypothetical feature of digital currency which would allow the issuer to set limits and controls over its use, of course. So now you can be turned off, social credit style because that's not happening at all, right? Essentially, any central bank digital currency would give either the state, the central bank, or the corporation issuing the money as wages, the, as, as money as wages, the power to control how and where the money is spent. 
any central bank digital currency amounts to potential third-party control over your money. It doesn't matter who that third party is, guys. That's the opposite of what any of us should want. This has massive implications for the very idea of individual liberty, which they're trying to snuff out right in front of you. Given how the last two years have gone, it's not at all hard to imagine how a system could be, this could be abused or that it was built to to abuse you. But interestingly, on the point of individual freedom, as I say, it's being snuffed out. Plenty would disagree. But this this ties back to the being guided by definitions, not reality, right? Because all they do is just alter what they call liberty or freedom or start using the word democracy instead of freedom, right? The point is individual liberty has meaning and everything they're doing is attacking it while they claim they're defending it. It's just propaganda. Halting payments, as it says, to protect the NHS, right? Garnishing wages to fight climate change or individual financial sanctions because you aren't vaccinated. All of this stuff makes sense with where this is going. One need look no further than, as we've talked about the Canadian truckers protest, to see a state financially unpersoning those who dissent, uh, express dissent, stopping their bank accounts, canceling their credit cards. I mean, these were government entities. These were organizations. These were people protesting. And the Canadian government just pulled the rug out from under them because this is where we're going. Neither the BIS report nor the IMF report nor Bloomberg summary discusses the idea of this programmability in any detail at all. Augustine uh, Karsten, the head of the Bank of International Settlements, discussed the idea in detail in a video in the summer of 2021, which we played for you, which, by the way, Whitney Webb has a great shirt making fun of this guy. So check that out. It says the key difference with the central bank digital currencies, and this is his words, that the central bank would have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability, and then have the technology to enforce that, meaning turning you off if you don't do what you're told. A Telegram article from June 2021, again, raved about the possibility benefits, possible benefits of programmable currency. Digital cash could be programmed to ensure it is only spent on essentials or goods which are employer or government deemed to be sensible. That's alarming. That's the Telegraph. There could be some social beneficial outcomes from that. Collective social benefit, right? Preventing actively activity which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. You mean like spreading truthful things about the vaccine that we're not supposed to talk about? You mean like exposing the Ukrainian government? I mean, really, this this is what they're talking about. Now, you may think those things are bad, but the bottom line is that's not free speech. And what they're doing is finding ways that you can be turned off financially if you just go afoul of the government narrative, like WMDs in Iraq. They were never reluctant to talk up programmability before. So it's noteworthy they should suddenly shut down the av- av- the avenue of discussion now that we're paying attention. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Because we're seeing it. They don't want you to know that can happen, but they were talking about before as they usually do. So it's planted somewhere. And then we think, oh, that's 20, 30 years from now as they're building it right in front of you. It says, oh, and just in case you were wondering, the list of countries trialing digital currencies includes Ukraine and Russia, the United States and China, Britain and the EU. Every team in the league picking a side won't save you. More and more, I'm appreciating their work on the off-guarding. Great job, guys. Now, this is important to finish off, right? Derek just talked about this. Great article by Derek. And I think right now he's working on a digital ID article right now. 
But this is the discussion of impending future of social credit, social impact investing. Now, this is the idea that social impact investing is touching on what they were just kind of talking about, where you could essentially shut somebody off or pull your investment in regard to investing in larger things if they don't go the way you want them to, or more actually in reverse. That's not actually accurate. In reverse, what it is, is the investing is where they would invest in certain things and they would make money based on the outcome. So you invest in a group, and if they meet certain outcomes, then you would make money. So all it really does is shows you it, it, it drives the investment of the influence, right? So these people are going to try to manipulate the field to achieve what they want to achieve. And especially when that's bad stuff, that's very alarming. Bottom line is it ties into social credit, to where people are now being graded based on their actions, and that then folds back into the they can invest in the social impact in this in the field that you're in. That it's, it's crazy. You should read this article, guys, because this image does a good job of showing you are being graded and being allotted into certain categories, and then they're going to invest in whether or not they can corral you in a certain direction. It's it's open discussions as if it's, let's get the billionaires to invest as if you're becoming the stock market as individuals. It's crazy. Here is Ukraine's CBC DC right here. Guess what? It's, it's, it's progressing during wartime. Of course it is, because that makes sense. Investing in this large, abstract, all-encompassing infrastructure change while you're being invaded by another country totally makes sense, right? Or implementing every single tenet of the World Economic Forum Great Reset while you're being invaded uh, totally makes sense. All that's been stated by the Ukrainian government, the fake puppet Ukrainian government, but also recognize that Stellar is involved. Hmm, that's, that's a crypto out there. Stellar CEO Danielle Dixon said today that Ukraine is developing its own central bank-backed digital currency despite its ongoing war with Russia. Yeah, because that is where it's going. This is where it's going. This is the World Economic Forum. Memory chips implanted in the brain. Implanted artificial intelligence devices to help your brain make smarter choices. I think we want to create a society in which, from my perspective, you're able to enhance, but it isn't a prerequisite for participating in society to enhance in certain ways. Bionic eyes. Smart skin. I think about smart dust, right? All these things they've been literally screaming fake news about as we report that they've been around since 2007. As I mean, this is direct DARPA investigation. These things are publicly talked about, and yet you discuss it during COVID, and you're called a fake news conspiracy theorist. These are real things, and this is the World Economic Forum, and this, ladies and gentlemen, that you're experiencing today is the fourth industrial revolution, according to Klaus Schwab. That is when he says these things are supposed to happen. Interesting. Designer babies. Let's just skip forward real quick. Exoskeletons, bionic limbs, gene therapy. Don't note the RNA inference by removing genes that code for certain metabolic proteins. Scientists have bred mice that stay slim. Right. So she, what, she, what she's acknowledging there is that people can who have the money, of course, can upgrade themselves to high heaven, or that's not the right expression, actually, to high hell, probably. But the point being that they will eventually, and this is not a hypothetical. If, the, if only those that can afford it have the ability to continue to improve themselves, including their genetics, including the offspring, and so forth and so on, eventually you will create two different species. Probably what they want. 
I mean, it's amazing. That's still, people think that sounds crazy. That's very easy to point out. Now, here's another video. Transhumanism. Artificial intelligence to create designer babies and artificial wombs. Artificial facility. A place where humans could be grown entirely from scratch. The devices you see here are called growth pods. Each growth pod is designed to replicate the same conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. Growth pods are designed to host human fetuses until they are fully developed. These artificial wombs are designed to help premature babies to continue developing after their birth. But emerging scientific research is making it possible to use them to create designer humans entirely from scratch. This is the world they're building, guys. I mean, this is not even secret anymore. And I mean, and this is what they're trying to hide from you. There's another one. Incubator babies grown at home. Place the womb and pregnancy. God, it's, it's, it's like growing sea monkeys in your kitchen. Like, this is just creepy. This takes away all of the magic and miracle of life. This is completely playing God. Like, this just makes me sick. Yeah, parents who want to live their lives normally shouldn't have children. How about that? Right? If your job is more important, then don't have kids. Like this amazing, this, I just, it's, it's the way that they rationalize this. But in any case, the point is guys, there's a microphone to speak to the fetus. Ugh, I mean, it's just creepy. This is what they're trying to build. Now here again is Klaus Schwab telling you what we keep telling you he's talking about, but this is his distant future, or not distant future, like talking about the fourth industrial revolution, which again, do not miss that he's claiming that's what's happening now. So this is what he's saying is your, re, your near future. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can and we measure your, your brain waves and I can immediately tell you how the people react or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, right. That's where they're going. That's not a secret. That's what they want. And that's not what Americans want. That's not what the world wants. By and large, it's very clear. That's why they're hiding it from you. Because if they knew we wanted it, they would be plastering it everywhere. Now, just a quick one last point before we go here today. Here's just one of the first beginning steps of that process, right? The wear, the not the implantables, but the wearables. As even the guy we played many times discusses, that's the what that's even as Klaus Schwab said. It'll start with wearables, then it'll be implantables, then it'll be in your brain. Don't miss the brain machine interface that Elon Musk is working with. But it says, beware that nocebo strapped to your wrist. Guess what? Fitness gadgets are supposed to improve your health, but often end up making you feel worse. Why? Well, because they're having negative effects on your health, whether it's cancer, whether it's all sorts of other stuff. The bottom line is that's just the first step and you're already being experimented on. And the next part is even worse. Now, also on last point, White House launching discounted high-speed internet programs across the U.S., why wouldn't they have done that a long time ago? Because they didn't care about them. Now, they really clearly see that they need everybody everywhere to have internet access, otherwise they can't control them, right? That's my opinion. Bottom line, guys, this is where it's going. And they just can't stop telling you if you actually care to listen. 
So thank you for tuning in today, guys. I appreciate it. It went a little longer than I wanted, but I appreciate you being here. It's just it's very obvious. Whether Ukraine or COVID-19 or 9-11, it's pretty obvious these people don't care about you. Your family cares about you. That includes people in this community, right? That is what you should you should lean into and not trust anybody, any of these authority figures. It doesn't mean you have to hate them. It doesn't mean you have to think the worst, but there's no reason ever an honest adult would have just decided to trust a person that's making choices for them. You should find out what they're doing and why, and then decide to support them if you so choose. But today, it's seen as unpatriotic to, to even consider that they might be doing the wrong thing. Now, that is so aggressively counter to American ideals, to the tenets of this country, to the Constitution, that it makes me, it makes my stomach hurt. They know that, and they're hoping that you don't see it, but I know you do. That's why you're here. So keep fighting. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. There comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. The world is changing. And every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it.